powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew Estate Studios in California. It's episode 231 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we kick off four weeks of PCA pregame coverage as we welcome back to kick off the series the executive director of the Premium Cigar Association, Scott Pierce. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Dagos Reyes introduced another chapter of the saga, the Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing idea of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. The Saga Celez carries a blend of Criollo Olor and Peloto Cubano, wrapped in a selected Ecuador Shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes and affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand requires tobaccos have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend of complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensa 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And we want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of their Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists in the best lands in Alapa and Estri, Nicaragua. When you want to smoke one of their JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganarsa Leaf. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 231. Today is Thursday, June 9th, 2022. It's Will Cooper. I'm on the black stage tonight in the Perdomo Cigar Studios. And I'm joined cross-country by my friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing great, Aaron. It's been a great week. <laughs> I'm just going to say. <laughs> Fire a guy and your team goes on a run. We, Everything's we, good in the world, right? How, how depressed was I a week ago sitting here? Yeah. Like, I don't know if the manager's going to. I thought the manager was getting fired today. He got fired the next day. I, yeah. I didn't know what to think. Um, and they haven't lost. <laughs> um, the manager looks like a genius. Um, look, I'm, I'm realistic about this. The, the holes on this team will get exposed oh, yeah. once the honeymoon's over. Right. Uh, and there's a honeymoon period they're going through right now. Yeah. Um, but because here's the thing. Now we're one game under 500. And this is every single time for the last three years. We get to that one game below 500. And then we, we just take six steps back. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like being realistic here. Um, 
but it's hard to argue what, what you know about the change right now. Yeah. Yeah. I've always liked Thompson. I thought he was a good hire, even when Kaplow had brought him in. And actually, I thought he was a good bench coach hire. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem. He's paid his dues, and I think he's earned a spot with the job. Yeah, his name's been thrown out there a lot in, for previous jobs. So yeah, yeah, it's good to get the chance. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm happy about that. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't, I can't complain otherwise. It was a good week for me. And, uh, um, you know, I'm getting fired up uh, for PCA. I mean, yeah. we, we actually as a team, we had, a, we had one hurdle we had to overcome with our microphone setups. And, and mm-hmm. we got through that. Ben, ben got it figured out. Thanks for some help from the surgeon. Nice. So surgeon kind of helped us out with what we were trying to do. And we have the, the equipment on order and uh, we should have, we hopefully we'll have no problems. That was the one thing I felt we needed to fix was our microphones last year. So mm. uh, we, we did, they were good, but they weren't where we wanted them to be. So I think this, I trust that John doesn't steer us wrong with this, you know, because John will complain about sound on every podcast. Yes. Like he will just like, even when it sounds good to me, feel like, <laughs> right. no, this really could be a little bit, you know, like, so, <laughs> right. so I'll, I'm that part the get through that part was, was big. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we make have sure every- you, uh, take care of all your, all your precious data at the end of the day. That's my mate, but <laughs> <laughs> you mean like, like, um, so there yeah, will be backups. We have backups. Yeah. But the other thing is we will be doing a thorough, um, I am leaving the house last this right. time. So I can okay. tell you that I will be doing a major sweep through the house. <laughs> there you so, go. Because so, I'm actually staying in Vegas another day mm-hmm. for, I have to do a day job meeting and I'm just going to do it from Vegas and take a, take the night flight out. So right. okay. I'll be the last one to leave. So there you go. Yeah. All right. But we'll start again, Aaron, we, we got like PCA from now until July and into yep. July. And we got the man, um, who's going to tell us all about it tonight. Um, and he, he's back uh, and we're glad to have him. He's the one and only executive director of the premium cigar association, Scott Pierce. Scott, welcome back to prime time. Hey, thank you, Coop. Thank you, Aaron, very much for having me. It's great to, to see you. And it's great to kick off this uh, much anticipated month of uh, pre PCA excitement and uh, planning and everything else that goes along with it. So glad to be here. Yeah, no, no problem at all. And we, we know it's a very busy time for you. Uh, and, I think you, I know you maybe want to get to sleep early. Um, so we do appreciate uh, the fact and we're keeping you from the hockey game, which we apologize for. Um, I'm just glad it wasn't the caps because I would have really felt bad. We would have had to figure something out with that. <laughs> but um, um, I will oh, Aaron, say this. I think Coop is using the excuse of a meeting, Aaron, to stay yeah. later in Vegas and let you guys leave so that Coop can go tie one on in Vegas. After there you go. <laughs> yep. Baby yep. Uh, well, yep. Anyone's welcome to attend. Well, they can't attend the meeting, but they can watch from outside. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know where I'm going to do this meeting because we have to be like, you know, but I'm, I'm going to figure it out. Um, yeah. So it's just a, a little easier for me to do that. Oh, I got to just mention one thing that we didn't do in the intro. Aaron, the, the Bryce Harper jersey will not be worn for in an indefinite period of time, just so you know. Okay. Because I don't want to make, I don't want jinx. It. You don't want to jinx. Yeah, yeah. I don't want jinx. So I just want to make that clear. Okay. When does the, when, when can it come back? Is it like a three game losing streak that it comes back? Uh, we will, we will determine that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it has not been worn. It's sitting in the All closet. Right. All right. Uh, but no, uh, but no, Scott, like I said, it's, it's great to have you back. You know, just before we start, I know we were just talking about this before the show. Uh, what's everyone smoking tonight? So the audience can know. Cause Scott, you're smoking tonight. You're in the, uh, 
you I am. I, I set up a little outdoor oasis uh, office here. So, yeah, so that I can, in fact, smoke. Uh, I'm smoking the Cabag One WCD 120th anniversary uh, cigar. That's the W. Curtis Draper special uh, shop selection they have. John Anderson Shop in D.C. Uh, it's uh, become one of my go-to cigars uh, as of late. Uh, I've purchased quite a bit from uh, from John. I bought, them. I bought out the last bundles that they had there at the uh, thing. So I texted Pete, and I was like, can you please get on making some more? Because I'm going through these things way too quick. <laughs> yeah. The, the greatest shop exclusive ever made, uh, one of the highest rated cigars I ever scored. Uh, I love that cigar. I've got two of them out here with me tonight, and then uh, I'll maybe I'll switch over to the Illusion Amper Day after that. Go for it. And Aaron, you're smoking an interesting cigar tonight. Yeah, I'm smoking the El Politico. You can see, there you go. You can see it now. All right. So like the un- official, unofficial PCA cigar kind of thing. Uh, PC has nothing to do with it. I'll just yeah, be okay. clear in that regard so that nobody gets uh, anything else. And this was <laughs> actually something that uh, Josh Aversky, who's our uh, deputy executive director, head of all of our government affairs, he took a trip down to Nicaragua and was um, given a tour on a farm down there, the Pachardo. And uh, so he and Luciano and Josh said, hey, look, I've had this idea. So Josh got into cigars and, and he can probably go into this. I think you guys might be having him on later or um, in a month or something like that. But he can tell the story. But he had a professor in college and it, he would always have instead of like a um, – uh a pocket square he would have cigars and he would kind of hand them out to folks and so that's kind of where josh was first introduced to to cigars and kind of fell in love with it and so josh had always wanted to have a business card as a cigar to to be able to give out and so he kind of talked about that and so he went down there and kind of gave his palate preferences to luciano who put together the uh the blend for that and so uh josh's uh, i guess aaron you got that at last year's uh, show yeah 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 Yeah. josh had to be there yeah so it's kind of just a fun little sort of passion project of Josh's. Nice. Yeah. When I was down at Pro Cigar, you know, I, I did hang out with Josh one day in the floor tour and, and I did manage to weasel a few of those from him. Yeah. So he, and he was <laughs> handing them out. It was really cool to see that. Uh, yeah, yeah, in action. Yeah. So I did manage to do that. Yeah. Um, so I'm smoking a cigar called Terra Nova, uh, the Arab Parique. Um, now, this is a cigar that actually is, was originally sold in Europe by a company called on Arnold Andre. They do a lot of distribution for companies and they actually uh, produce this cigar in the Dominican Republic, but United cigars is now doing the U S distribution of this cigar and uh, it will be at the show. So I'm sure folks will get to see it, order it, whatever. Um, I've actually enjoyed this cigar a lot. It's an Ecuadorian Connecticut blend, uh, but it's more of a medium body. I wouldn't say it's one of those next generation Connecticut's, but it's certainly one. I think that's got a little more oomph than your traditional Connecticut as well. Um, so, uh, I will be smoking this tonight. Nice. Good stuff. All right. All right. So Scott, let's get right into things here. Um, let's kind of go back to last year's trade show. We had you on before the trade show. Um, and just a few questions I had coming out of that. Um, Mm -hmm. first of all, give me your overall assessment on how that trade show went. You know, for the most part, um, given everything, um, I was pretty happy with it. Um, there was just a, there was a lot that was coming at us all at the same time. Uh, and, uh, coming back after the pandemic, uh, being able to put on a show, I think by in and of itself was, was a good success. Yep. Um, uh, then it was just obviously a couple of things kind of learning curve wise of what we could, couldn't do what we could, couldn't, you know, kind of try to do as far as, um, you know, coming out of this, we were basically having to try to stretch two years of budget into one show. So it was a little bit kind of interesting as far as that was concerned. Um, but a couple of interesting things happened last year. In the sense that uh, I think people really um, kind of rekindled their sense of community with the industry, having been gone uh, for those years. 
and then understood the importance of, of being able to come together in that regard. Uh, but then something kind of um, sprung up, and I it's probably something you'll want to talk, talk about, I think, uh, tonight, too, um, where people started doing these show and the exclusives. People like Pete and Tatuai have been doing that kind of stuff for a while. But there was kind of this sort of grassroots efforts by a lot of the different manufacturers that basically just said, hey, we'll do it and we'll, we'll offer it to folks if they come to the show. And it kind of spurs some excitement for the show because people are making an effort. We're coming out of the pandemic and it's important that we see them. And, and uh, so that gained a lot of traction. And it's kind of, you know, obviously um, spilling over into even larger this year as far as that's concerned. So um, and then just kind of, you know, figuring out how do we make the experience better? Um, I definitely learned, I think, a very important lesson about the way in which we kind of approach the show. And so I think that that's going to be um, seen in terms of some of the stuff that we do this year um, differently than we've done in, in even in years past, um, especially different than last year. So. Do you, and I, I kind of agree, I think considering everything that you had going on um, and you were short staffed, there's, there's no doubt you were short staffed. Yeah, Lisa was out on maternity leave. We, yeah, we, we still haven't fully staffed up from you know from coming back out of the pandemic even still. So yeah, yeah. it was it was fun. So so yeah, I mean I think there were a lot of positives. At least I my experience was pretty positive last year, um, which I think was a good thing. Um, and I think that that's definitely a good building block. And we'll get into some of the stuff with with the twenty twenty two show. Was there any anything maybe? And I'm not trying to be the negative part. But was there any challenge that you maybe? Hey, you know, we have some challenges we still have to address as a trade show uh, that you kind of looked at going into 2022. Yeah, I think that um, for here's kind of what I've realized, and I think we and we've discussed this kind of um, really, really in depth, um, taking a look at at this for the trade show as far as the the board, the trade show committee that focuses on on obviously putting on the trade show, and um, one of the things we talked about. And, and I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but we did kind of dive into this when we had our strategic session last October with the board. But I said, you know, I think it, we really need to look at it in this regard, which is we really need to put on a good, fun get-together networking time where business is done as opposed to a business meeting that has some fun activities to it. I think that that's kind of the mindset that we need to approach with it because last year, just by getting together, people had fun. Um, and we were really just focused on being able to pull off the show. Um, so I think that that's kind of uh, one of the big lessons there is, is we kind of looked at it is that last year we were like, look, it's, we're shoestringing stuff along to get it done and put it out. Um, but I think this year what we need to do is we need to focus on being able to, because again, it's that community feel. And I think that this industry um, has had a very long kind of, I'll call it a love affair of being able to come to this show because of all the things that surround it and what they get out of the show, not just necessarily coming to get a deal or coming in and writing a quick order and then bouncing out and moving right. on. Right. So that's, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of things we're going to talk about that I think you guys are, are doing this year. Uh, that would be very interesting to people for sure. If they haven't heard about a lot of them already, um, I'll give you guys a lot of credit. I think you guys have really uh, communicated the show well on social media. Um, I think you guys every day are doing something with that. And if it's not something with the show, it's been something with advocacy. So I want to give you guys a lot of credit on that. Um, cause I think what I'm seeing was very, uh, valuable to what you guys were doing, at least from my point of view, I'll say that. Thank you. Yeah. That's all credit to Aaron and her management of making sure that the information is getting out there and yep. the advocacy side for, for Josh yep. and his team getting that information. So yep. good team, good team effort. There. Yep. Yep. So I'll ask one question and this wasn't something that was the PCA's fault. Right. 
But I'll, I, ne- I never heard the reaction maybe from the PCA on this. And if you don't want to comment on it, I'm totally fine. Uh, the whole incident at the, end, like the very end of the show was the relevant photo. What was kind of PCA's notion of that? Um, and is that something like that concerns you maybe happening again? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's um, it, it is kind of concerning just because, you know, it's at our event. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're not going to go around and police people for being able to sure. kind of, you know, do what they want to do. And, right. you know, the, the, the personality who did that, it's a personality who was having a good time. And I think that he, from my perspective, was very excited because I think that they had had a very successful show. I think everybody as a manufacturer had a very successful show last year. And I think that for a lot of folks, it was um, kind of an elation of, of relief. Hey, the show's back and it actually is, you know, still profitable for, for everybody and, and good for everybody. Um, in terms of that, there were a few people that called and I said, you know, I'm choosing to see the messages is the fact of, of basically, you know, this was great. The community should be here. People, you know, let's come back together again because it's important for the for the community to get together. Um, but, you know, if people want to post, if there were other manufacturers that posted other stuff that I thought was probably a little bit more, you know, uh, deleterious to, to the right. PCA show itself. So, I mean, people are going to know what they're going to do. We can have conversations, you know, like adults and just yeah. say, Hey, it's probably not the best idea, but they're going to do what they're going to do it. And unless it's something that's directly um, against policies for us, um, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, look, there are personalities in this industry that just don't like each other, you know, they, yeah. and they still get along. And so that's just the way it is. Yeah, no, I totally get that too. It, that happened. Um, the, the only, thing I'll just ask this question too, before we get into the next year's show. So, there were a lot of like I started hearing little things on the trade show floor from people, but I didn't see it myself. I, Aaron, I don't know if you saw it. Right. We, but we've talked about this. I guess there was some of the quote unquote influences that were kind of maybe overstepping some of the bounds that like a, an influence or a media should do, um, you know, in terms of disrupting business or trying to, yeah. to, to sell pro- sell product. Now, I didn't see it, so I can't really say it one way or another but was that a problem at the show last year or what are incidences and is that something that maybe pca is going to look at rectifying if they think it needs rectifying this year yeah there were a couple of instances that were brought to our attention from some manufacturers and a couple other media folks and so we um we had the media uh, meeting uh, you were obviously um not available to to attend because like you said you have a day job um, well actually it was it was a little more that was my when my dad had passed so it was oh, just, oh i'm so sorry i didn't know that I'm no no it's so okay i appreciate it. yeah that was the but, reason yeah, yeah, one of the reasons. Yeah, but yeah, obviously I more important than jumping on a Zoom conference with me. So. But but I don't know if it was something I could solve either. Is what I'll say because yeah, you know, and that was this, yeah, that was kind of the reason why we wanted to do it because I was like, I, this is nothing I want to solve in, in a vacuum. I know I don't want to take an approach where we a overreact and it's an overcorrection and therefore you know, it, right. you know stuff hits the fan that's unnecessary, uh, which I think was probably the path we may have been leading down. We got some really good feedback. Um, we relocated an old document. And so you'll, you'll see us, we're going to reach out to the media uh, in a couple of weeks, yeah. just hold a quick zoom conference here, the code of ethics. If you're found to violate these, we're going to just ask you to leave because again, the importance of this show for the manufacturers and retailers really needs to be about them being able to do business. We want you there. We want as much of the coverage from the media as possible because we believe it's a vital component to this industry and to the growth of the industry. But it also has to be done in conjunction with with the proper business aspects of the, the show itself. So, no, you know, I get that. Now, I'll, I'll say this, you know, how I look for me with media. And again, I, I don't want to speak for Aaron on this, but my experience, you know, if you have contradicted, let me know. I thought it was the best reception I had from the exhibitors as far as media went this year. We had access that we never had before. Uh, maybe it was some reason, I, uh, you know, that we had 
you know, I don't know what the reasons were, right? You, you get, people can easily say it was there were less people. I, I, I don't really buy that because there were just there were busy booths that we got good access to this year. Um, so I, from, from my point of view, it was one of the best shows we had as far as access goes. We really got to everybody we wanted to get to or tried to get to. That's good. I mean, I think that hopefully, you know, we, we added the early access for you all last year. That's again this year. So media gets yeah. in early. Hopefully that helps too. So that that way um, to do that. And, and um, we're also putting out and sending out to the exhibitors, all the media that has signed up and is coming too, so that that way they know who's going to be there. So hopefully that fosters more of those types of activities because yep. again, it's very important for us that the show is used as a way to promote the entire industry. And yep. obviously you're a very big yep. important component of that. Yep. I agree. Aaron, anything you want to add for last year's show before we kind of get into this year's? Um, no, I don't think so. I think you covered kind of the main points we wanted to, okay. to hit. All right. So, so kind of let's get into it, Scott. I mean, we're, we are four weeks away or 30 days away, right? About 30 days away. I think I saw something yeah. today. We're, we're in that one yeah. month's range. Uh, so you guys, I know are very busy. You have been very busy and, uh, there's a, there's a lot of excitement happening with this show. Um, the first question I'll ask, uh, maybe it's not the ideal thing for me, but this is selfish, but there are new hours for the trade show this year, correct? Yes, there are. So uh, we've normally been early entry at 9 a.m. and at 10 to 5. Uh, and after much conversation, uh, I think everybody agreed, let's start a little later. We can go a little later. And in fact, it's kind of one of the happy accidents of the fire of 2018, when we had to start at one o'clock and we went till about eight or nine o'clock that night, everyone was like, this is great. <laughs> um, Breakfast and world like, cup before the show. I mean, what, what more can you ask? For? We were, I was legitimately, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was standing, uh, we were watching it in the Drew estate booth. Actually, my pants were hiked up because I was, you know, ankle deep in water, squeegee yeah. and mop it and everything else out and stuff. And, and so just kind of pausing to watch as the world cup was going on there. And, and, uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. So this was kind of, um, can drive from that. We thought, you know, um, so, and because of that, one of the things that we've also, uh, kind of really, we're, we're going to maybe, I don't know, experiment with, but, um, I think just based on feedback is instead of having our lunchtime learning seminars going on in the middle we're going to use that hour in the morning to put the education on there. So if you want to come get a cup of coffee and some life, like, like, have okay. a cigar. So that way there's, there's nothing competing with anybody doing stuff at the trade show. So it's just, and then it goes from 11 to six. Um, if you're get the VIP, then you get in at 10 o'clock or if you do a donation to the pack, like we've done in years past uh, to help support our political action committee, then you can also get the early entry as well. Okay. I like that a lot. Um, even though I wasn't thrilled about the later hour because it cuts my, post time but that that is something that does interest me because i've always missed the lunch action uh every year so that is actually something that does interest me and we'll have some good ones this year too um you know we've got um good retailer panel that's going um we're also going to have our tech talks we got some really interesting things going on with the tech talks this year um some may not interest you as much because uh, it's probably going to be pretty specific towards uh, retail stores but then we're going to have our our q a um with our executive committee uh and that's actually going to be a little bit more primarily geared towards manufacturers mm -hmm. uh to get the, to let them inside so i mean we got manufacturers now that are that are on the board um we've got you know newly elected members that are going to be on the board but we want to kind of give some insights to the manufacturers on a lot of the discussions and issues that we are trying to address with future trade shows um times dates locations uh functions of it the layouts of it the and, and the form and everything else so that's good. That's good. So th there's going to be for the first 
is that gonna be th- there'll be three days of those correct and then the fourth day will be like the normal nine to one correct the last day is still the same still that same half day uh yeah so the first the saturday is our annual meeting and so we'll get up and that's where we're going to continue with the same one what's when we're going to cover the elections so it's the annual meeting of the actual membership itself so the treasurer's report will continue we'll give a state of the association uh taking a look back at the previous year um go through the kind of the financial report of the association and take a look at that and then go through again some of the business of the association and then that will lead right into the kickoff for the show okay so that, that that's good to hear um Opening reception. Um, there'll be an opening reception this year as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Crowned Heads is going to be spearheading the primary sponsorship with this, with some support from Ace Prime on that. They're with the uh-huh. relationship. Um, so, we've been working closely with them. We're putting on uh, a good, um, a good atmosphere. Um, working with the with the folks at Crowned Heads, trying to create kind of more of a of a, of a cocktail hour where people can get some good drinks and some really good food right um not be overwhelmed to shout to be able so we can have good conversations um and they're going to have a good selection of their cigars that are there for folks um to be able to smoke and and uh mike assures me uh, even though i'm not privy to it but mike uh, condor from crown heads assures me they got um some good tricks up their sleeve that they're going to present there as well uh in terms of what they're what they're what's coming for that um but yeah so we got the opening reception um and so that'll be that'll be a really nice time that evening that's from six to eight on saturday Mm -hmm. or i'm sorry on friday Friday. So yeah, so that'll be a good time. There was some there was some feedback from last year. A lot of people thought maybe it was a little too industrial feeling. Um, anything <laughs> going to change with that this year? Yeah, Mike wants it to be um, more of a like I said, a more of like a cocktail hour. Right. So the the challenge we had last year is mm-hmm. because of the COVID restrictions, we had to move our registration out of the foyer because they didn't want any common areas. So we had to use half of that hall and we had to have a certain amount of space for registration. Right. So that made the other hall construction wise have to go on for like the staging area. Pardon me. So we couldn't use that. So we had to kind of go to this back corner of Rachel floor. So we kind of had to make do what we had to make do. And, um, I obviously would have changed things. I've, I've been on site. I was like, okay, we could have actually changed this and made it a bit better, but you know, right. Uh, so this year it's going to be back. The main, everything's happening in hall C registrations out in the foyer again, in the halls and everything else. So it's kind of back to that normal feel. Okay. So it is going to have more elegance to it and, and everything like that. Um, I, I don't, um, at this point, I don't think that they've opted to do carpet for a couple of reasons. Number one, it actually does reduce significantly our cleaning bill. <laughs> I think I would floor a lot of people if I were to yeah, tell you right. what our cleaning bill was for 2019. Uh, it was about triple what we thought it was going to be um, because of that. So I think that um, in that area, uh, trade show floor is obviously fully covered. So I, I don't, I think they probably have opted to not do that. But again, the lighting, the music, the staging, the the way everything, the food and everything else is set up is all going to be very, very different and, and okay. a lot more engaging think about like a good kind of like big cocktail hour we could right. come and have some good conversations with people with some good music and some good fun okay so that's good to hear and then crown heads and ace prime will be there so that that's uh very very good to see uh, as far as as far as that goes uh that, that there'll be that and then, uh as far as the breakfast goes is that going to be similar to last year you know meeting kind of the business business and a meeting board announcements those types of things Yep. Yep. It, uh, and so it's condensed down. I mean, in years past, it's been like an hour and a half and, and we thought that that was too much. So some of the stuff we've moved towards the government affairs seminar on Friday afternoon. So things like, you know, the, the, the advocacy awards, that stuff kind of gets drawn out in that annual meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are kind of anxious, I think, to, to get to the business at hand and do some of the things that they want to do at the annual meeting, but really kind of amping up just to get into that trade show floor. So we're going to cover the business that we need to in that annual meeting. Um, and then, um, and then we're going to kind of follow it up. We're going to uh, right now, the plan is, uh, and again, this may change, but right now 
as it stands, the plan is, is that um, in that PCA lounge area that we built on the show floor this year, um, each day we'll have committee and, and board members who are on these committees. So each day will be a different committee so that if you as members want to come in, talk to a board member about specific committee work, ask questions, give ideas, frustrations, anything else, you'll be able to have some good conversations there in the lounge. If you want to come in and just have a seat and talk with some executive committee members or board members for an hour or so. Um, and so that can help kind of foster more of the dialogue with the membership there. And then obviously the Q and a on Monday morning. That's good. That's good to hear. So that's good to hear. So I'll ask the, I guess the question probably a lot of people are, are going to ask and always, they always focus on it. Um, attendance. What's the attendance outlook looking like as we speak right now? Right now it's tracking really well. Um, you know, uh, I, I just, I would send out some registration lists to some folks to show, but uh, I, I do regular reports that go out to, to the board and the committees just to kind of show. And I'm, I'm tracking historically um, for where we're at right now. We're tracking historically um, slightly ahead of right in line with 2016. And uh, if, and if those trends continue um, as far as registrations are concerned. So I'm looking at registrations, membership renewals, because, uh, you know, even though PC is more than just the trade show, that's still the primary reason people pay their dues. Right. Yeah. So when we're looking at those rates of, of folks that are renewing plus registrations, plus hotel rooms. Um, it's tracking to probably one of the better shows of, you know, um, at least top two or three shows of the last 10 years. Wow. That's, that's, that's really good for you guys. We is, got a big jump in international uh, attendance uh -huh. that's coming this year because they're able to come back. And so there's a lot that that's coming yeah. in there. We're doing an international roundtable because of that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, the attendance is definitely going to be much larger than last year. And I think it will probably ride in line with, you know, 2016 and 2019, which were some pretty big spikes of numbers. I, I noticed it in effect, Aaron, but he's from California, but last year, weren't there some issues with some people from California working the trade show over liability over COVID? Was, was there some challenges with that or was that just false information I heard? It potentially could have been, but it, it wasn't anything that, that necessarily affected us. I mean, it might've been for some sort of labor agreements and things like that, but I, nothing that kind of came up for us really. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that may have affected attendance. California generally is um, probably per capita, one of the, um, states that has the most attendance at the trade show yeah easiest easiest trip into the show it's an, it's the easiest and trip a lot of retailers yeah. that are there so yeah 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 i mean I, that makes a Which, lot of can sense. i give a shout out to the california retailers to survive and thrive as a tobacco <laughs> it's a, shop it's in a that struggle out here. i mean my god those people are phenomenal and they are fighters with true passion so uh, you, you know scott when i uh, Last year, I went, to, I went to San Francisco about a month after the trade show, and I, it was like the worst place to smoke. I mean, <laughs> I just dwell how bad it was. Going up in the Marin County was better. Uh, I found uh, some places up there, and of course, up in Napa. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was. It, I, I feel for any retailer that just is, is up there. Southern California, I've always found a little more. It's a little better to smoke down there, but it, it's tough. It's tough in, in the Bay Area. I'll tell you that. Yep. Oh, I had a, yeah, I had a great time with the, in when I was in San Diego, um, actually before I, I came to, to uh, IPCPR at the time. Uh, yeah, I went and, you know, had some cigars there and it's local in San Diego and I was there for a conference. It was, it's hilarious because I'm at a healthcare conference and you know, I was going yeah. to go to the cigar shops and people would ask me and it's, it's always funny because once, you know, someone breaks that barrier of saying something like, oh, oh yeah, hey. Oh, I love these cigars. You, you bring me some back or, Hey, can I go with you? So it was kind of funny. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, th so that's, do you normally like, I don't know how this kind of works, but is there a lot of walk-up attendance that you get once the trade show opens? Yeah. Do you find that there's people just show up and, and register? Yeah. Yeah. We generally get anywhere from, 
on the low end, about 65 to 70 on the high end. I think some years there's probably been over a hundred people that just come and register on site to come in. <laughs> and probably, I think last year, I think there were about 30 to 40 renewals and then registrations that came in uh, on site. Nice. Yeah. So we, we do, I mean, right now, uh, you know, we've been trending, you know, the same anywhere from 35 to 45 registrants a week. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's when I say registrants. So it's, we count membership. So if you have one membership, you know, you could have five stores, but that's one account. So if I'm saying four registrations, that's one account, it could be six badges and it could represent six stores. So like Steve Castro, for example, for Davidus, he's got 12 stores. He's still one member account. And so that would be one right. registration, right? But, you know, he's got six, seven people buying for 12 stores or total wine, same type of thing. Um, so, um, so we generally see 35 to 45 of those registrations coming in every week. When we kicked off an open registration, um, I think people were excited by the state of play. Uh, we got a, a massive surge of registrations on those first eight, nine days, and then it's been consistent. And then generally speaking, uh, historically, the, you know, for all the documentation I can see, generally that jumps up to about 60 or 70 a week leading into the trade show. Okay. The, um, is there any sense of, and this has been, I guess, a problem or a trend rather that we've seen over the last few years is, is people not staying the full four days. And I know it's something you can't really gauge from a registration, but any sense of maybe people planning to stay longer or, you know, and I know you're doing some incentives obviously to get people to stay the full show right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, um, you know, even the incentives when we had like the $10,000 giveaway on the last day and things like that, mm -hmm. the, the Tuesday is always, you know, sparse. Right. Um, you know, I think that there's, it's been probably that three and a half, four day, whatever that it's been for, for a while. Um, it's also written in the contract. We have to be there for, for that day uh, too. Right. Um, and so it kind of does taper off. Last year was actually uh, a little bit busier than I had anticipated it. Um, there were a lot of retailers that were like, look, I'm going to see every exhibitor that I can when they're here. And so it was kind of interesting to see that a lot of exhibitors did that. Uh, for exhibitors that, that you know, um, it's in their contract, they can't, you know, cut down. And if they do, then there are consequences. And so uh, there were some issues with, uh, you know, uh, yes, I was gonna ask you that. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, hopefully that's addressed this year, and, and it won't be the same. And so, um, so yeah, but uh, I, I think that um, it's kind of one of those things we, we've been talking about. And it was interesting because we had some ideas that we were going to be implementing in the 2020 show for that last day. Um, it was going to, you know, take some investment from us. And so I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic that we'd be able to maybe pull that off next year to do something on the last day, or at least the last evening. Um, that would be a very big incentive or big thing that people would want to be a part of. And so, um, so I, you know, stay tuned. I don't want to talk about it because if it doesn't happen, you know, yeah. people yeah, yeah. Ask for nothing, but, <laughs> but that's, it is something that we consistently talk about and think that there are ways which we can enhance the experience that it's not just about getting people to stay. It's about getting, uh, adding benefits that make sense for people to stay. Yes. No, that's good. Um, actually, I don't know if you knew this, Scott, but Aaron actually was manning one of the booths of one of the companies that left early last year. Yes, I was. Yeah, Aaron was actually manning the booth. <laughs> <laughs> it was caught on video. For... <laughs> did, uh, did you take some orders? <laughs> uh, uh, surprisingly enough, nobody stopped by. So <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think they were missed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, no, it, was, it was true. But no, it actually, you know, it, you know, and, and Scott, I do think it's a bigger problem. I'm glad you, you realized that it was an issue because 
I heard some, I heard, you know, not only it was frustrating from some media, I can be selfish on the media, but, but I did hear from some retailers saying, you know, I'm paying the status extra day. It's costing me. I'm away from my business. And these people aren't going to be there. You know, if they're not going to be there, I'd like to know what days they're going to be there, you know, to take orders. So I, I did hear some feedback from retailers on that, that, we're, you know, we're not too pleased on it. Yeah, there were a few retailers that, that reached out to me and asked me that same question. Yeah. And um, so, um, yeah, so specifically, it's in the contract. You can't you can't break down before the time. Oh, okay. Contractually speaking. So uh, it's in the booth contract. But secondarily on that, uh, you know, there were some that said, yeah, I'm going to reach out and tell them that I'm pissed and it might cost them business, if, you know, because I went to go write orders and they weren't there. So, um, so hopefully that get that, that kind of fixes itself, um, a little bit more self-policing. I'd rather not have to, you know, go in and wave around a contract and, you know, oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't come to that, you know, yeah. but you know, yeah, I, I totally agree on that. Um, which, which is, uh, like I said, it was selfish for me, but like I said, I did hear it was something that, you know, I could take the media selfishness. I, I did hear some feedback from some retailers afterwards on that. So, yeah. so I'm glad about that. And hopefully that won't be as much uh, of a, problem as it's been lately so that's was it, it was always like that, that they, was it always like that that they had to stay for the four days or is it something now that's new this year no it's always been in the contract okay. I, just, I think that for the most part most people kind of understood and i mean look i've been an exhibitor you know for one in previous uh positions where you're there for five days and you're just like you you're just kind of like you can't really break anything down visibly but you're like already start to pack up the papers yeah, or the yeah. things like that and just one ready because you're yeah. like okay i'm i'm ready you know yeah. i'm ready i don't i don't care if this closes at noon i'm going drinking because i deserve it right and so um so i so i totally get that it's just again when you're looking at the integrity of the show and the reasons for being there and again if you're investing it a few extra hours in my opinion as a manufacturer i mean going early there's really no benefit for you for doing that if you're investing to be there anyway you're there yeah. anyway you might as well i mean every order counts as far as i'm concerned so yeah no i i i definitely would would agree with you on that for sure so um so that's actually that's good to hear on that um so we talked about attendance uh let's turn to boost sales how how a boost sales been going this year and how do they com trend compared to previous years Booth sales have been great. We've had, a, you know, there's obviously a lot of new companies, um, uh, given the times that we're in, uh, a yeah. lot of returning companies from last year. Uh, show floor is definitely a lot more full. We had to release space back last year, so it's a lot more full, even without the the, the folks that take up a lot of real estate. Um, so uh, it's actually looking good. We we you know we've exceeded what our um and our our goal was for the you know the year of saying this is how many we think we're going to get, um, which is quite a bit higher than last year. And so it's, it's actually looking really good in terms of vendors that are there and um, as well as retailers. So I do think it's going to be a good show. Right. And in your contract, right, you can't, um, like the show space has been the same, like even with the big four out and some of the bigger players, that, that floor space has been the same, right? So, you, you know, you, that hasn't changed. Yeah. I mean, we, we do some things. I mean, it's kind of, uh, a, a little trickery, but I mean, basically the, the, it actually kind of saves us money to be honest with you, because we don't have to pay for labor to put up a false wall. We can just use the air wall. Um, and so, um, you know, we were able to kind of get an agreement from the sands based upon some changes that, uh, cause contractually just kind of the nature of it, of the size of the show, what we would need and so on and so forth for the contract. It was really kind of designed in a way, I think honestly it benefited them for us to have to use their labor to do these types of things, but we were able to negotiate that back to where we could just kind of use the air wall. Mm. It's effectively the same. I mean, you're talking about, you know, basically kind of like 19 feet 
of a wall that then gets built down that side is all. Um, but you know, we resolve that with the, within the contract. So it, it, we just put up the air wall now. So it's, it is the same. We just use all of hall C now, instead of having to put up a false pipe and drape wall. Right. Right. Is, um, where's the status in terms of, can people still get a booze if they haven't gotten a booze yet? If you're a man, an exhibitor or is yeah. there a deadline that comes out that? Yeah, basically tomorrow. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we've got to get the schematics over to our show decorators so that they can get that all done so that they can start putting the entire schematic down so they can get it to the builder so they can get it all laid out and everything. Um, and so, and if you're a tobacco company and you haven't booked your booth, um, you know, the only way that you would be able to get a booth if you haven't filed your Nevada OTP, chances are likely that you're not going to get it. So you wouldn't be able to actually have any tobacco mm. with you at the show. So, um, so for non tobacco vendors, if you're still looking for a booth, please get them. We do have a handful of spaces left. Um, and, and so, you know, accessories or anything like that, that would be related. Uh, you can definitely get a booth uh, as long as it's booked before the close of business tomorrow, we should be good to go. I remember we, we had, when we were, doing one of these shows and you know you were talking about some visions for the trade show i remember you were talking about maybe at some point having spirits companies in the into the trade show um yeah is that something that you, you're still looking at for the future maybe it's not this year but is that something you're still looking at for the future where it would maybe look make the show a little more uh you know again provide some more value in some other areas not necessarily to sell booze but you know to to kind of experience some stuff you're outing a surprise for next year coop yeah tame it down a little bit <laughs> I don't know about next year. Uh, you know, I will say this: that we we've reached out and we've actually been in serious conversations. I haven't talked to Lisa to close the loop on whether or not, but there's a um, a very well known spirit um, that w really wants to come and was planning on doing some different things. And uh, the 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 main hurdle that we have with the spirits companies is that it is so bloody expensive to bring their alcohol into the Sands Convention Center. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, it's 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 insane and they basically have to buy their liquor back at <laughs> a customer's price back from the sands oh um, it's, it's it's brutal uh, but there's one company that was that was willing to do it and i'm not sure what the status is on that because lisa was kind of working on on some things to do with them there uh where they could come in and they would do tastings and everything else we do have a wine company that's going to be there they're not going to have anything they're going to be doing tastings but it's a wine company that's launching um that wants to be there um uh, so they're they're going to be there as well uh to show people that and i think it's important to your point Coop, because we got a lot of cigar bars and a lot of people and you know there's a lot of even retailers that are out there that you know people have lockers and things like that they want to be able to understand the different types of spirits that are out there because it's such an integral part of the cigar smoking experience that i do think it's important so i think that you know next year's our last year at the sands um uh, at least in, in terms of this chunk of contracts. Um, and so I do think that if we go to a place that's a little bit, you know, more amenable to having spirits come in and to where it doesn't, you know, basically cost your firstborn child and their firstborn yeah. child, that uh, that you'll, we would like to see more of that. I mean, we've been actively pursuing it and I do think that there's a lot that would really like to be a part of it. Um, and so I would, I would love to see it too. And we actually do have one that's coming this year. It's great. It's actually, you know, my hometown of Utah, it's in a place called Pleasant Grove, Utah, but it's Clearwater Distilling and they've got, um, they, they, they sell cigars out of their their distilling company and so um so they're going to be there they don't they're there as buyers but you know so i think that that's the type of relationships that we want to foster and, and kind of upgrade as far as the show and the experience is concerned yeah no that's great to hear that's great to hear you you probably got to be pleased because there are companies that were not at last year's show um that are back this year i mean yeah. you have like there's two i could think of foundation and LaFleur. so yeah. um how how in terms of how has that been going um in terms of that 
uh, that's that's been going great. Um, you know, and and uh, it was in you know good relationships with both Carney and Nick. Um, yeah, we were kind of texting back and forth with, with between Lisa, Lisa and Nick. You know, it's funny. I don't know if you guys saw where Nick tagged Joe Rogan, where he was talking about Nick sending him that leaf, and he they were talking about mm-hmm. it. But I told Nick I was I uh, was making a joke about him about I'd do something special for him if uh, he got Joe Rogan to come to the show. I think Joe still yeah. lives in Las Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. I was like, Dude, right, a standing invitation, get him to come. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but no, um, yeah, but it's good. You know, there there are a few others too that um, uh, coming back this year that they weren't there last year, and so that is very good to see. Um, and again, you know, I think that more than anything. Um, there's an importance to the business aspect of it, but you know, there's really the importance of having uh, a gathering like this of an industry, particularly now where we're kind of at this juncture that we're at with regulation and under fire, kind of trying to figure out, I mean, really in a lot of ways, it's a way that the industry is trying to figure out its own identity in, in that, in that sense. Um, this type of thing is critical for it. If we didn't have this, I mean, it's just, you, you're just all kind of scattering now that the lights are on us. And that's, it's, it's important for us to all come together, stand in that light and, and be able to kind of have that um, cohesion. And so I think that um, it'll be good for to have them back because, you know, they're great companies and, and there's a lot of great companies that are coming again this year and a lot of great companies coming back. So I'm looking forward to it. Yep. McCall's another one that's coming back yeah, too. Exactly. Um, yep. uh, so yeah, Bilger, you know, yeah. Too. yeah. So there's some, you know, there's some significant companies that have been coming back, which is good. Yeah. So I got to ask this question, you know, I got to ask, how is he out? Is there any progress being made in terms of trying to get the big four back at some point? Are we, are we any closer than we were two years ago, a year ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's no secret that, that the, the pullout was, um, you know, for there were some business decisions, but there's also some uh, political decisions as to why right. that happened. Right. Um, we've been in, I mean, look, we were just a few weeks ago when I talked about, you know, um, Ben Wilson bought me a, uh, brought me a box of Papas Fritas from uh, uh, Drew Estate. They were in town because they did this, this cigar caucus event with some congressmen over the Casa de Monte Cristo. Right. We were there, talked to Javier Estados from um, from Altadas, um, who's the you know president of uh, Cigar Association of America. Uh, Glenn Wilson was there. We had some great conversations with them. Uh, we were actually had a meeting today with with Glenn Wilson um, as well, continually to talk about the you know fight you know for flavors, right? So. Anybody that's listening, please either go to rcigaraction.org or their CAA, either as a retailer or as a consumer, to fill out that letter to, to right. um, rail against the flavor ban and, and to, to why that that's not good. So, right. yeah, there's a lot of work that's done. And, and the other aspect of it um, is, is that, you know, a lot of, you know, the sort of nuances of the relationship and the disagreements are kind of all really kind of working themselves out in some ways um, from other decisions or core decisions and things like that. Right. Um, and we're a lot farther along now than we were uh, a couple of years ago when the proverbial, you know, what hit the fan. Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, with some companies, with other companies, you know, no movement, but I mean, it is what it is. And, and in any industry, you're going to come to crossroads and, and some people are going to choose to go left when you're going right. It's just the reality of the situation. And, so, yeah, you know, I, I'm always open and, um, you know, for me, the door is always open and uh, I hope to continue to do what I can to bring the industry together in as many ways as possible, because together we're a hell of a lot more formidable than if we try to scatter off. And yep. like I said, yep, agree um, along the lines of companies. Um, one observation I've had. And Aaron, I think you have you may have this one as well. A lot more new companies this year we're seeing for the first time. I want to say in about five years. Yeah. 
maybe six years, I'll even go back 2006, but more new companies this year. First time, like first time they're, they're releasing cigars. Um, not just yeah. new companies to the show, but new companies in general. Um, it, there's a surprisingly decent amount. I don't have an exact count, but I'm, I'm, I was very surprised to see this. And I'm talking to companies, some of these new companies, say, yeah, we're going to be at the trade show this year. Here's our booth number. I'm like, so yeah, I mean, that's got to be pleasing as well. It is. It is um, obviously from a from selfish perspective as PCA. Yeah, there's a lot of great companies that are coming in again. Yeah, I, I still. I mean, I I'd be hard pressed to to hear an argument contrary to this, but I still think that this is the. It is. It's the largest, most important sort of gathering of the cigar marketplace, and so mm-hmm. it's a really great place to come launch a product. Get known. There were companies that were new last year, very successful with their launches and and being able to get in front of of retailers. A very important vertical, and um and so. I'm really excited about that. But the other part of me, uh, the, then the individual selfish part of me is like, this is great because, you know, the new blood, new life coming into it. It shows yeah. that we're expanding. It shows that there's more consumer demand out there for, for new and interesting products. It, it allow it, it's growing. The, the space is growing. And that to me is, as just even on the consumer side is very exciting just because I love the cigars. <laughs> I like, yeah. I like seeing where this is going. Hopefully the, the planes and automobiles, I don't have any trains going by my, my house, but hopefully that's not causing too much noise. You're fine. Oh, so that, like I said, that's a, that's a good thing as well. Um, so this was an observation I had, and you could tell me if it's just not up to date. Uh, the sponsorships, they seem like there were a lot of open sponsorships this year. Are, are, are sponsorships lagging behind or are they just maybe not updated? Well, how's the sponsorship piece going as far as the show goes? Yeah, we're always trying to, to try to find um, interesting sponsorships. And one of the things we tried to focus on this year, um, last year was actually a really good lesson in this. Um, one of the sponsors last year for the opening reception was Espinosa. And uh, they were like, hey, this is great getting our cigars. And people people were like, hey, come up to us. Hey, we, this first, the first time we've been able to smoke your cigars. They make phenomenal cigars. I, you know, they, I really enjoy the Espinosa cigars. Um, and so their sponsorship changed a little bit this year, given the nature of what they're doing with it. And so um, we, we tried to kind of change it up. And I think that we're trying to find the most impactful sponsorships for folks, which, right. in my opinion, are experiential. You know, the, they, they want to be able to A, visibility, but B, if there's a way for them to interact with the, the company in interesting ways. Um, so uh, some of the sponsorships um, um, weren't taken, but there's, we're still in conversations with some folks that are interested in the last handful of them. I might lag a little bit behind. Um, I think that also that's a little bit probably of a hangover from last year where it's kind of like, well, people weren't really sure what was going to happen last year. Uh, we didn't know how many people were going to come sponsorships were surprisingly higher than we had anticipated given a couple of, of reasons for that. But I think kind of lagging into the, or coming into this year now, as we're going into it, people are kind of gauging that same aspect of it and, and taking a look at that versus, um, you know, the excitement that was there last year and, and the amount of retailers that were there to actually place orders and that want products and stuff. So, um, you know, I think that it, it uh, will probably update it uh, more as we get some more feedback this year, because I think that next year we'll probably follow more of what we're going to experience this year in terms of the show. And so we'll we'll look to kind of enhance that. I think we'll probably see a little bit more. Like, for example, we did the um, the bar sponsors this year. And so, you know, those are all gone. Um, right. So that was steered away from other sponsorships. And so we kind of added those on. And so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's probably pretty similar to where it was last year um, in, in terms of um, total amounts of sponsorships, but it probably looks a little bit different because we added things that were trying to respond to the, mm-hmm. um, the demand from the, the, uh, the vendors. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. That makes sense as well. 
Uh, so one, we talked about the opening reception, but there's another seminar that's happening on the uh, right before the show. And I know you probably don't have you probably have as much info as anyone. Right. Because this guy keeps it a secret. Right. But uh, <laughs> but there is the Fuente seminar this year with, with uh, Carlito and Jose. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so it sounds like they're going to be bringing something there uh, to, to roll. It's, they're going to roll a blend there or something. It, it sounds like. Um, what can you tell us anything more about that? <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of a, the initial thing when Jose called me and was like, hey, I got this idea. We did this a while ago. And so initially I was like, oh, okay, you're going to actually roll something on site and people are going to, that's pretty awesome. You know, Carlito's going to get them to do that. Then they kind of sent us the information and said, here's what we really want to do. So Carlito has um, 13 tobaccos and that he's had that he's never used in this kind of combination before. So, um, he's, you know, there's again, limited tobacco supplies, I think, as everybody understands at this point. So he's, you know, making as much as he can. And I think that probably roughly around 250 or so is what he said he's really going to be able to bring. So it really is for his comfort serve. And they want to make right. sure I'm not going to get one. Unfortunately, I don't think you guys will be able to get one because they want them for retailers. Right. Yeah. But you're yeah. obviously, you know, if you're there, please come to the seminar. Yeah. Carlito is going to smoke this for the first time himself too. And so it's, everybody's going to light up and he yeah. wants to be able to go through. They're going to talk about the tobaccos that are into this and they're going right. to go through the, the construction of it. But then you get to kind of go through the entire experience of a cigar with obviously a master like Carlito. And so for me, I'm looking forward just to kind of sitting there and listening um, and, and being able to be up on stage and just kind of watch from that perspective, just for the, um, just to understand, I think a lot more in depth about like how they, how he approaches and, and Jose, how they approach the blending and the tasting and, and the ex- total experience of it. And for me, uh, if I'm putting a retailer hat on, I think that's priceless because you can take that. If you can bottle that up to then exude out to your customers, I think that that's just a great way to, to enhance the experience for customers and, you know, hopefully get them to buy a lot more stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think it le- leads to that experience piece. I think this is a great experience type of seminar to have. Yeah. Um, and Scott, going way back before you and before Aaron, we had a lot more of those. We had like uh, Jose did uh, his regular blending seminar with La Aurora. Uh, Hanky Kellner did his tasting seminar. Yeah. I would, I, I think, I would think I'd like to see, I, per, this is my, I'd like to see more of that. I think there's guys in the industry that would, would, would run at the opportunity to do some of these things. Absolutely. And that's, you I absolutely work totally aligned with that. And I think yeah. that's a lot more of what yeah. we're kind of taking a look at both that Friday show, but also kind of uh, going through it and, and kind of overlaying that with some of the other um, even educational components that how do we put both of those together into something that's a lot more meaningful for the reader yeah. as well. Yeah. I, uh, I, like I said, it, it used to be, it was, I'm, I'm really glad to see something come back before the trade show like this. Um, Cause like I said, it's been a long time. Uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I figured I, I, as a media guy, I just want to see it. I'm not like, like I said, um, I'd love to smoke the cigar, but I'll, I'll find a way to weasel something from Jose another way is what I figured. So yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. He, 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 I mean, I actually, he actually kept this very quiet for me till late. And then by then it was already out when he told me. Right. But, but he was leading me to believe he was doing his, his traditional blending seminar. This is very different where like I said, they're, they're actually going to be taking the tobaccos and putting them together. It sounds like. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm really curious to kind of hear, um, you know, it, people's impressions, Carlito's impressions and everything, you know, I, it's funny because, you know, especially Carlito's like it, cigar might not even be very good. Who knows? <laughs> Everybody's going to get a chance to kind of uh, go through that at the same time, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, 
you know, Fuente is obviously a very popular brand. They put out great stuff. And so, um, so I think it's going to be a good time. And, and, and it's something that I am, I'm hopeful that we can actually institutionalize that there are these types of things that go on every year at the show. Yeah. Um, probably in a lot more depth because I think it's, it's important for, for customers, right. And the customers like, like you are, I would put you guys in a different class than, than I, I think in, in terms of the, the amount of attention that you will give to things like pairings and things like that. Um, I'm just a regular average Joe customer, which as I know what I like and, you know, I'll do that, but I'll experiment sometimes. But I think it's important that retailers can kind of get these different perspectives on these things because that's really primarily a lot of what customers are asking for. You know, we put out surveys and, and, and um, one of the most important things for retailers as far as why they come to the show, the last three surveys we've done, this has been the number one answer. It's to learn about new products and to learn about products yep. and, and vendor relationships. And I think that's a, this is, that this is a truly meaningful way to get that information, right? You can be told about something, but until you experience it, that's when you're going to truly kind of learn and be able to then translate that into how it goes into your store and then how you sell it. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you on that. I, that's really good to see. Uh, we touched on this already. The uh, the happy hour is a new concept uh, that, that's being introduced this year. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. So last year, again, um, kind of going on the fly. So we had the after hours bar because there was nowhere to smoke on the hotel when we created it. You couldn't smoke because of COVID. And then our friends at the Sands decided, oh, hey, we're going to go ahead and open up smoking just a few weeks before the show. So um, so we had the after our cigar bar, which was a dud that first night because it was like no one's coming back. It was kind of open. People could smoke anywhere else. So what we did is we moved the bar to because we'd already paid for it. And we already had it. And so the Sands was good. They worked with us. We said, can we just move the bar to the show floor? And we opened up at three o'clock and we just bought people drinks and, you know, people had sponsored it. So we had it up there. So the sponsors got that. And we were, you know, the sponsors were basically buying people drinks. That's, you know, the, the way that it came about. Right. And so when we did that, I was like, you know, it was good. People were getting beers and they were continuing to go and, and uh, go to the, 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 the booths and everything. And we told manufacturers, I was like, it's, it's better that the retailers are coming to your booths a little bit tipsy because they're going to spend <laughs> some more money. Right. 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 So, but, but really when we get down to it, going back to my previous statement of, we want to put on a good time where business can also get done. And it's not that we're trying to diminish the importance of the business. It's just, again, the nature of this industry and the nature right. of, of, again, the, the, the customer meeting, the retailer coming to the show. And so uh, I thought, you know, people try to crowd that, the, the quote unquote circle bar at the Venetian uh, on the Palazzo side. Right. And it's terribly small and you walk past there and people are jockeying. It's loud and, and people can't sit and do it. But we thought, you know, we've got, we're, let's put this space in the middle of the floor where people can continue, even if it's just for an hour afterwards and it, maybe even trickle in a little bit later than that um, to continue to have the conversations and network in a more comfortable environment. That place is going to be bigger, probably I think twice the size of the circle bar, maybe even more so and very open, lots of good seating a place where you can come in and if you got the vip you can use your card to buy some drinks um toscano's doing something special that opening night where they're putting a little bit more into what we're going to be offering some, some kind of light italian fare but there's bar snacks and things like that that we'll provide oh, for wow. folks well we just wanted to create an environment where you could continue just to relax and have a cigar and carry on your conversations and, and continue to foster those relationships with um if you're a vendor with your with your customers i mean you know if 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 you have a smaller booth uh, I would take the opportunity to walk over there and, and continue the conversation and sail with a retailer, you know, because it's yeah. comfortable seating, it's open, you can do it. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. I hope it's a success. I'm, uh, I'm hoping that people take advantage of it and I hope it, it accomplishes what we're setting out to do. Yeah, I think, a, I think a move you made, I noticed, is it does overlap with the last hour or two hours at a trade show, uh, which yeah, so it goes is a way to kind of transition folks. Yeah. 
yeah, so it goes from four to seven. So the trade show does close at six. So, um, so I know that some manufacturers might be like, well, you're gonna be taking people away. Nothing's gonna go on really from you know that four to to to, to six time frame. It's just that the bars are open. Right. effectively and so people can come and get drinks and things like that and then they can kind of continue on it's also open for manufacturers to come and sit down um i think i think uh, uh we'll be doing something else on sunday there with with jeremiah mirafel i i'm hoping that's the case i hope i don't let anything out of the bag there but um i'll be going on kind of during the uh, on sunday but uh-huh. um but i think that what we're um uh looking to do there is that then as it starts to wind down it closes at six again, but this, people continue to place orders and stuff. But we just kind of want to have a collegial environment where people can all still get together and just have a drink or two and, and continue to build the relationships. That's one of the most important components of this straight show. Yeah. I agree. And it, they're each, there's a different manufacturer sponsoring it each night. So it's, it is going to be like themed for, the, like you mentioned, I think Toscano, I think Espinosa's got one night as well. Yeah, exactly. So Espinosa's got one. They're going to talk about the knuckle sandwich. Um, there may or may not be a special guest. They right. tease me on that one. And so if, if, if stars align, there'll be a special guest there to, uh, to talk about the knuckle sandwich and, and introduce that and, and uh, all about, um, that guest's particular uh, love and passion for the cigar industry. Um, and then Boboda. Boboda is going to do the, the last night. Um, oh, good. Uh, to, yeah. So it'll be a good, it'll be a good. Uh, so we got something going every night. And then we also have this marquee night. Um, if anybody wants to go to the Cosmopolitan. I was just going to ask you about Sunday that. Night. Yep. Yeah. So this is fun. So we, uh, so we reached out at the Cosmopolitan has their, uh, their pool bar that's outside. So you can smoke. So at 10 PM, if you have a PCA badge and you're one of the first 500, uh, you will get in for free. There's no charge for you to get in. Right. And for one of the first 200 with the PCA badge, you'll get a free drink. Okay. So you get to go, you got this pool party that's going on, get to have smoke some cigars, get some free drinks, and just okay. have a good time, no cover charge. That was my next question, if you were able to smoke there. Yep. Yeah, that's why we that's why we reached out to them. Yeah, would, this, it would, would be a bad time if you weren't able to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't know what type of venue this was. And, I, I think it, and you mentioned it's kind of like, the, so it's an outdoor venue it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at it, night, so but it's, at night, it's it's a nighttime dry heat, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, uh, you can go in the pool party. if you need to cool off, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, um, the is there a sponsor for that? Is there gonna be a, like a cigar at night or something like that? Is there any plans with that? No, nah, we we chose not to in this instance just because uh, it, we were relying upon um, another entity with the Cosmopolitan. Uh-huh. So if it's successful this year, then I, then next year is something that we'll look at kind of doing a little bit larger. We wanted to just kind of make sure that we had something for PCA to do there. Uh, but if that's the case, then I think we'll look to kind of enhance that next year. Is It's Sunday night, that one? Yeah, t- it kicks off at 10 p.m. Okay. So I'll, I'll try to make it. We'll see how. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll beat up kind you. Of, I, I feel, I, yeah, I feel, I feel like uh, Murph talk sometimes. I'm getting too old for this shit when I'm right. at the trade show by that point. But yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I'll, I'll probably head over there for, for at least a couple hours and, and see some folks. Okay, that's good. So we haven't talked yet about it, but let's kind of get into the uh, the PCA exclusives. Um, so I, I last year I thought I, you had a lot of challenges with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, still do. <laughs> and I was going to say, I still see you guys have some. So here's my first question. I'm just going to ask you this. Is it worth it, right? Because you guys put a lot of effort into this. And I'm going to be real direct on this. My perception is some of the manufacturers take it more seriously than others. And, that, and I, I see that as a burden sometimes for the team to do that. Because I know what challenges you had last year with that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's something and that I've talked to quite a few manufacturers about. And the last thing that we want to do is, is overburden or play something on a manufacturer right. that – 
then becomes something that that's onerous, um, overly onerous in particular. Um, and especially at this time when all things are kind of going haywire with trying to get supplies and, you know, the trying to fulfill right. back orders and things like that. And not to mention the international markets and everything that's going on with that too. But, um, and this was, this has been really interesting because we're trying to get our kind of, um, hands around some water in, in some instances in this case, because this wasn't really an initiative that we spearheaded. It wasn't like, it's like, Oh, Hey, we're launching this program and who wants to be part of it? it, it this was kind of a grassroots thing for the manufacturers. Um, and it was great because it's something that's, a, that's in, kind of in, you know, reinvigorating some excitement from retailers going, hey, this is great. I get these products that you can't get anywhere else. It's exciting. And I think that they've had um, uh, some measures of success in their shops with these products. And so, um, so it kind of, grew a little bit this year to some additional folks kind of jumping in and doing it. Um, I do think that, that there's going to be some changes that, that are going to be incorporated after this year. Um, you know, Pete stepped up again and is doing a donation of, of his, a 50 cents right. per cigar that's going to come back. And I think that that's something we're going to take a look at and see how do we streamline this? So it's a little bit more effective and it's a little bit more, um, uh, controlled rather than um a little it's a little chaotic right now and i think that if we're able to provide some of that direction i think it'll make it a lot easier for manufacturers as opposed to just oh shit i gotta come up with something new i gotta do this and it's always something i gotta do every year type of thing mm -hmm. I, I you know we we gotta respect the process for the manufacturers and kind of this and i do think that being be able to put down a codified outline of as far as here's what the program really is now and here's how we're going to do it and here's how it's going to benefit the manufacturers and the retailers and pca um most importantly the trade show uh i, I think will be better in the long term for for this program but i think this is going to be a great thing because it it has sprouted out of um you know the manufacturers recognizing that they could do something here the retailer reaction the consumer reaction to the products and so i do think that it's something that we can in fact uh, take the energy from its initial kind of concept uh and do something really good with it the um but is the, the goal of this right would be to get people to the trade show right the idea is to get people to the trade show with this right saying look you got to be here to get this right um the, the, the two the two points I'll make on this and this is and by the way I think PCA has managed this very well so but I think some of the stuff you're saying may echo my points the, the first one is I think every year these they're announced way too late is the first thing and the second thing is I'm not sure they've been compelling enough and the ones that are compelling I don't think technically are a part of your series aka if Fuente Padron comes off I, you know so that's kind of where I, I see that right now that there's definitely some that I would see those would be the challenges right now. Cause yeah. if you want someone to come, you got to give them, I'd say 90 days. And I haven't seen, I know you guys tried to get, get that done yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, when we try to, you know, work with the manufacturers there's some that, that uh, uh, don't necessarily want it released out until it's on site. Right. Right. And so it, it's kind of one of those things to where, and that's totally fine. Um and then the other part to it, going back to, you know, not trying to put too many burdens on the manufacturers is that a lot of them, I was just getting some stuff just last week and, and been, Hey, down at the factory, just finally got approval that we can get this done and get it done in time to be able to have right. a display box there, you know, and stuff. And so 
you know, we thought that coming into this for like the VIP packages, for, for example, and just so that everybody understands, we've been trying to see, hey, can you guys send us some stuff? So chances of, of having the exclusives actually in your bags when you check in, there might be one exclusive in there, but some of these companies have said, hey, let me just send you some um, cigars to have for them, even though we're not going to be able to get the exclusives there in that quantity in yeah. time to be able to have for them. Yeah. Um, and so I think that uh, to your point, I think that again, um, you know, we, we, we were trying, we were sending out emails, I think at the start of the year in like January, trying to get information. If anyone was doing exclusives, we were calling people. And then I, I think that for, it was just a process of the timing of everything of people being able to understand what they could and could not produce. And sometimes I think it comes down to the last 30 or 60 days when they're down at the factories, if they can in fact do it. So I think that as we get into a, a regular cycle with this, that it'll be a lot easier for, for manufacturers to understand and communicate with us. Right. And, and to, to kind of, say this i guess some manufacturers have the, they could they could always say it's exclusively available to the show but if you want to be a part of this series there are things that you're doing to and i think you guys have prom, promoted them better than the manufacturers in a lot of cases what these releases are i see i see the postings on this um has it have you been how do you feel the manufacturers have been promoting these because i think pca has been promoting them but i haven't seen enough from the manufacturers in my opinion is that something maybe you're looking at if they're going to be a part of this they gotta they gotta equally promote these things yeah i think that that is um one aspect of it i think that in some of it you know, for some manufacturers i think that they're really so heavily focused i mean the show is a large production for for these yeah. guys and so i think that it's one of those things to where uh, again trying to ease that pain point for them um we we welcome kind of i think somewhat of that burden to promote it as much as we can uh because i think in a lot of ways so some of them don't necessarily have those mechanisms to do it as much or they're i mean quite frankly they're probably spread pretty thin right now trying to get everything ready for the trade show so um i think that that uh we'll probably see a, a little bit more uh officiality um to the program yep. next year and then kind of going into the ensuing years um, cause I think that one of the things that we don't necessarily want to do is to have a manufacturer feel like every year they've got to come up with something brand new, um, that deviates or takes attention away from sort of the main core lines and things like that. And, and so we want to make sure that we, we balance it appropriately, that it's something that is important that people come to the show because they can get, uh, but that doesn't overly burden just a few manufacturers every single year, uh, right. in, in that regard. Right. I agree. And I know last year you did try, you mentioned, I think the, you did try to get those into the VIP packs and it, it a lot didn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, or so even, I think just to, even just to get displays for that display. I mean, yeah. that was my next question. Will, will yeah. that display work this year? Cause I think that was, a, I was, that was my big disappointment because I thought it was a yeah. great idea you guys had with this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So we've, we, we are consistent. Lisa is, has consistently reached out trying to get the info from folks. I've, I've reached out as well. Uh, I do, I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic this year that we'll have a lot more, if not all, be able to go into those displays. It'll be in the yeah. lounge um, area. We're really just looking for a display box of what that yeah. is. Right, uh, right. They have it. And so um, a lot more have said, yeah, I'll get that, you know, for that. We'll get that for this because Lisa's been reaching out. This is what we need. So hopefully that's more filled out this year. And the lounge is a lot more than just that product showcase where last year it was specifically designed to almost be just sort of like a storefront. I mean, you, you right. there were, and we had those displays and my yeah. God, like 
all but one was empty, <laughs> you know? And so I was yeah. walking around with everything else trying to, Hey, do you have anything? Do you have anything? Do you have anything? Right, you right, know? right. So, yeah, it was, yeah. So that was a challenge. I, actually, I thought it was a beautiful idea. Like I said, if, the, if, if, if everything come together, it's, it's a great, it'd be a great thing to see. You know, these are the yeah. signature releases that were done for the PCA. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, I think it's a good thing, you know, and again, if, it helps promote your show too, because if media people are picking pictures and stuff of it, it's just gonna, I think the message, exactly. I think it helps everybody. Yeah. I think it really helps yeah. everybody. Um, Aaron and I can critique the cigars. That's another story, but that's not, the, that's not for this tonight though. But, uh, um, I, I gotta say, I, I don't know if Aaron, I really like that Alec Bradley box press they did last year. That was, uh, that was the magic toast. I, I really like that cigar. They did. So that was worth the wait. Yeah, there were a few. I I I, I really like that one. Um, I I love box press cigars to begin with, but uh, yeah, that was a great one. Yeah. Um, the PTCA was a great one. The Sergeant was a great one. Yeah, um, was- the Goldie from Apolino was was another great one. It was funny because George um was was talking um with one of our board members and was like, man, he goes, you know, we they did they did one last year, and when it was kind of being released, he said there was some well, he was getting kind of hounded from some folks. He's like, well. You know, look, if you weren't there, we're not going to we're going to send it out to you. Yeah. So that's when he was like, he's he wasn't planning on doing one this year. But he's like, man, there's something to this. So I think that uh, I, I don't know if he's got any designs for next year or not. I haven't talked to him, but um, I, I do think especially when it's got a name like Padron on it, I think that there's a little bit more yeah. to it. So um, to your point, but um, but yeah, I think that there were some actually some some good ones that uh, that were out there. You know, I got to try the the, uh, the CLE one, um, you know, uh, last year as well. Another box pressed. Um, and so I actually really like that one too. They're doing a similar one this year, but it's not going to be box pressed. Tom Ozuka was lamenting some of the issues they had of <laughs> producing a box press one. Uh, <laughs> and, and only the way that Tom Ozuka can, you know, in, 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 uh, but he was like, he's like, it's going to be like another millennium before I can get these box press things done. <laughs> but I can't think it's, a, it's maybe a blessing in disguise because it's something different than what they did last year. So I actually, mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing in, in my way. I think yeah, and a box press and a, and a Pareo could spoke very different. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, and for me, I kind of like the being able to go and, and test one cigar that's made one way and same blend and everything else. Yeah. And it's made a different way. Yeah. How it can have that kind of dramatic, you know, difference yeah. of, of tasting and experience too. I agree. I agree. Uh, Aaron, any other things we want to hit on the trade show? Um, I have one more thing, but if- yeah, go ahead. Um, so you kind of touched on this one early on. Is the future of this trade show still in Las Vegas? It's or or is it a good chance we may be somewhere else next year? No, next year is year after that's next. Our, that's year after that. Okay, so it's the year after 2024. 2024. Um, I would say that uh, it's not definite that it's going to be in Las Vegas. Um, that's a decision that has yet to be made. Right. Um, you know, we're going to have to gather information from what happens this year and some other things. But I can tell you, it's no secret because we told this, but we've put out RFPs. Um, I mean, we did a massive kind of research project and reach out all over the country to find out where we can smoke. Um, And unfortunately, even in the last few years, that has windowed down even more so. So we put them out everywhere, all over South Florida. Um, Our good friends in New Orleans continue to want us to come back. St. Louis, uh, we've reached out to places like Dallas-Fort Worth, um, you know, and and it's kind of one of those things to where, um, I mean, there's a lot of obviously um, uh, Native American casinos where we could smoke. The problem is, is that, they just don't have a large enough space. To hold space an yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and so, um, cause I got a call from one, um, retailer who had a, had a vendor in his, in his uh, shop and he was like, can you talk to him? Cause he's like, he's wants to talk about this idea about where to move the show. So he talked about this particular place in Southern Florida. And I was like, no, I know the space. I'm like, it's got 68,000 square feet of, of space. And I was like, that's, that's a, a uh, not even a fourth of what we need. Yeah. So while it's great, I mean, we, we have that kind of on the list. And so, I mean, look, I, we reached out to Churchill Downs to see if there was a way to design something there, but they wouldn't let us smoke unless it was outside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we reached out to, I talked to folks in Atlanta and Indianapolis. We thought we'd be able to smoke on Lucas Oils in, in their stadium if they opened up the roof for us. Uh, then they came back and, and when we initially got the yes, they came back and said no. Um, so we, we are reaching out. We're all, all we did a uh, survey recently too about times of the year. And I was just going to ask you about that. Yep. Yeah. And so we are looking at different times of the year. Um, and so um, uh, for, for that and in different locations as well. And so um, it, it is something that, that uh, is look, but I think we're always going to have a, a home in Vegas to do this show for a few reasons. Not that it has to be there every single year or in the same exact way, but Las Vegas, um, always gets great attendance. You know, I, I've, I've looked at historical uh, numbers a lot over the past couple of months, and it's crazy to see when we leave Vegas and go back the spike that comes, uh, whether or not, and I haven't dived too far into the details because I don't necessarily have that data. I don't know if it's just because more Californians, because we were talking about earlier about the Californians right. coming in. Yeah. I don't know if it has to do with that, um, but I just, there are a lot of people, um, and it's not just this industry. A lot of people love Las Vegas, and it's a, you know, um, may may not love it so much in the dead of July, but um, but I do think that uh, that we're we're taking a look at um, the entire form and function of the trade show, and seeing different ways in which we might be able to modify, evolve, change completely how it's run, um, because our primary need is to bring the best, most profitable event to the manufacturers, which also benefits the retailers. So it's kind of that two-sided platform right. that we always continue to try to, to, um, to answer there. And so, you know, all cards are on the table in terms of that, but absolutely we're looking, we're looking at any time of the year, as far as those surveys are concerned, most, the vast majority uh, of our responses want the show sometime between March and June to July. A lot of folks are actually kind of used to July. And so the buying patterns kind of the way they go for retailers. A lot of them are just kind of used to it. And so, yeah. It, that's kind of the way that it is. Not a lot of, um, not a lot of love for, for later on in the year though. It, it, it dips significantly after, after August. Yeah. I'm not surprised with that one. Was, was the majority of people wanting it in Vegas still? Or was there. Vegas is by far, by far the number one choice. I mean, it's not even close. It's it's more than double in terms of. Wow. Okay. Go to Vegas. Okay. Interesting on that. So yeah, that's, that's obviously, so obviously the goal would be to try to keep it in Vegas and maybe look at some of these other options that you have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, look, and that's kind of the point is, is that if we are able to move the time of year and it might be in a different location, let's see if that's successful. I mean, you know, and, and if it's not, then we have our answer. And if it is, then, you know, then we can kind of build off of that and see um, and juxtapose it with, with, um, with Vegas and, right. and, and continue to test that out. And I mean, in, in the end of the day too, I mean, the last piece of this, I think that can't really be ignored too is, is the benefit to the association, because again, everything that we make off of the show goes into our advocacy apparatus. Mm-hmm. So that out that, you know, we, we do have to make sure that we, are, are making sure it's profitable for sure, PCAs, sure. 
yeah in that sense so. sure i totally i totally get that as well i mean ideally i mean I, obviously everyone's been used to the sands and there was there was grumbling when it moved over to the um the las vegas convention center but you know i've kind of it's kind of an irony with that scott because I've heard so many people like, you know, go to TPE and they're ha- I don't hear them complain about the convention center with that, but they complained about it with, with, with IPCPR those years. Yeah. I mean, you're not necessarily locked into the sands. There are options you still have if you want to keep this in Vegas and make it profitable. Yeah, we reached out to multiple properties in Las Vegas. Um, it's really interesting how they don't talk to each other, but they right. do. Because, um, <laughs> so, um, like, you know, we put the RFP out and, 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 and um, again, to a bunch of different places. And the Sands actually asked us the question about that. I'm like, well, we know what we have with you. There's not really a reason for us to, but if you want to. And then they ended up doing it because we we're like, okay, let's, let's go through the exercise then. Um, so it, it was just kind of interesting because one of the properties in Vegas was like, well, you, can't serve food if you're if you have smoking we're like what are you talking about if we do it at the sands yeah. and so we were like so we had we kind of had a moment where we were like and we immediately were re- researching the laws and labor laws in las vegas because <laughs> yeah. yeah. i was like uh are we a you, violation of something yeah here? you don't want to out yourself for something that you have <laughs> well, yeah. yeah we're out the sands yeah. i mean yeah. you know and, and we right, right. Up having to move the show you know like within a few oh, months, yeah you know and so it was one of those things and then so finally we were just like um no it actually is not the law you're you're misinterpreting it and then their lawyer saw that too they're like oh okay so it's been a really interesting process to kind of go through that each state has these different uh, mechanisms as far as smoking is concerned and labor laws as far as the smoking is concerned and it was all about like the server staff and the catering and the food and beverage because they're because di- there's different um organizations within like the hotel or the property and so they all have to like coordinate with each other and so um it doesn't often happen and uh so it's been interesting um, but I, you know, it's funny you say that about the, the I think that the, from my perspective, the TPE in that aspect is different is that the, the cigar footprint, it, it's a, it's kind of a few different industries that are all there. They might all be joined by tobacco or smoking or whatever, over the case right. beer around that. But I don't really foresee the, you know, cigar guys going out and hanging out with the vape guys going out and hanging with the, you know, the fake urine guys and going and hanging right. out with, with the others. So, um, so in this instance, everybody kind of wants to be together and they liked being on the same property as far as that's concerned. I, it, and it was kind of, uh, you know, I, the, the Venetian is a beautiful property. I mean, there's no question. I yeah. love coming out of my hotel room and walking and being able to go there, not having to go outside in Las Vegas in the summertime. That's great. Um, but I've been used to, to trade shows and exhibits, you know, for pretty much my entire career. So for me, that first year, I was like, I, this is great. I don't really know. I mean, I've been used to shuttles and everything else in my entire career of going to convention centers or walking to convention centers from different hotels. So I'm, I'm not really sure what the um, kind of the scuttlebutt was there. So no, you know, I, the, I agree. I kind of agree with that. You know, like I said, I, yeah. I get maybe people didn't like a host hotel. That's that's another story. But those are things that can be fixed, obviously, too. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's just funny because I've heard some someone I know in particular is a retailer who really pitched about like, when the show moved to the Vegas Convention Center, was like, pray, like, well, what changed? And like, the only thing they said was, "Well, I'm in a different hotel." But I didn't think the convention. I thought the convention center worked for you guys. I didn't think there was a problem with the convention center. I mean, so I think it, you could put a show on that. Yeah, no, I mean, other than other than the fire, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I really, I, you know, I really like working with the convention center um, in, in that regard. Um, right. You know, and so we reached out to them. We wanted to see kind of what they would offer. They're undergoing some pretty massive renovations right. from now until 2026 right. and stuff. So, um, so the convention center, we wouldn't be able to get in the convention center for the next few right. years anyhow. Right. 
Right. No, I get that. So I'm not going to jinx you about a jinx this year because you always have a jinx. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> Yours, last year's jinx wasn't that bad, though. Was it, you had that one issue, I think, with the flood, uh, the flood water coming in. Oh, my God. I know. Can I not have like a natural disaster? <laughs> yeah. The rain that came down, it leaked through that and it went all over all of like the computer equipment, all over registration. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a yeah. it. Uh, it's actually rained twice when we were out there. I remember Aaron that one year with the general party it rained. Yeah. But yeah. this year was like the most rain I think I ever saw out there. That was a torrential uh, downpour. Yeah, it, it was it was it was bad. I remember that. It was uh it was and, bad. The, and worse, it didn't even cool anything off. No, that's what I was just gonna say. It did not cool anything off. We could tell you that we were outside, it was still 106 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, God, I was I was in a suit and I went down to a, a dinner that I'd been invited to and I, I'd, and you know it it was so insanely busy last year, <laughs> it was crazy. couldn't couldn't get any kind of cabs. They forget about it and the Ubers and Lyfts and everything. They were just booked up. We were fortunate to get a ride with one of um, uh, our members who was going and driving down. So he's like, "Hop in, we'll just drop you off on our way because it's on our way." I couldn't get anything on the way back. So this is like a midnight, and I'm walking back. It's still like a hundred <laughs> yeah. plus degrees outside, yeah. and I'm in a yeah. suit. And I'm like, "This is this is insane." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Uh, so yeah, hopefully everything goes good this year, but uh, no natural disasters. <laughs> uh, so we, we'll yeah. discuss. All right. So what I want to do, uh, Scott, we have two more shorter segments. Um, take a break. Uh, if you need to stretch, that's fine. I'm going to do a sponsor read. We have one fun segment and then we have uh, some more uh, stuff really not related to the trade show PCA. So are you okay in time? No, I'm great. Yeah. Okay. Fine. By the way, the Rangers lost just so you know. Did they really? They lost home ice, huh? Yeah, so it's 3-1, yeah. Oh. They lost 3-1, and now it's 3-2. They're down, yeah. 3-2, yeah, going back to Tampa for the last one. Well, they they, they, uh, they beat Carolina in game seven, so they're going to have to pull it out. Yeah, Yeah. we'll see what happens uh, with that. But anyway, uh, I want to mention our sponsors, uh, Tailored Smoke, located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's epicenter and outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Tailored Smoke is your one-stop shop for a tailored smoking experience. And by JRE Tobacco, the authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it was one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aro took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. In 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to scar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julian and Husto bring their very own brands to market, each containing that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade, Cameroon or Urbano wrapper, representing the golden age of scars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retail, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That is why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from many famous international cigar makers like Padron, Avo, Drew Estate, Perdomo, Gurkha, and Oliva. They have the best cigar selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes Cigar, Forbes Magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as the best of the web. 
Corona Scar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at www.coronacigar.com or visit one of Corona's four Central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And we're going to get into our Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live true. So, Scott, the topic tonight is Washington, D.C., right? You're a Utah guy. You're now living in the D.C. area, right? And yeah. let's, take, let's take the politics out, right? <laughs> We're not gonna, I mean, we don't want to talk politics here because um, I imagine that's not a good thing. Uh, to talk about um it's certainly not um take out the museums because the museums um are are great what are some great things about the dc area that really you live there you have your family there what's what's kind of some great things about dc maybe that folks may or may not know uh that's a great question um there's never a shortage of things to do you know, so I live out in the suburbs, obviously, of, of Virginia. Yeah. There's never really a shortage of things to do. It's a very, very uh, kind of busy area. Um, but I think different in than like a Chicago or New York in that sense, because right. it, it's not a centralized city kind of in, in that regard. But there's always something to do. And, and the other part, too, that I think that a lot of people may not realize is um, kind of sparked by Jose Andres when he came here 20-some-odd years ago, I think now. Um the food in DC is, is quite great. They've got a phenomenal food scene uh, that's here and uh, just a lot of really, really interesting and great stuff. Um, so there's, there's just never a shortage of, of things from like live entertainment uh, and um, just anything from that you can get in. And you, you talked about the museums and it's kind of an interesting thing is that there's really a lot of things that you can get at like is little to no cost that ends up happening, whether it's at parks or whether it's kind of, you know, out in on the mall or things like that that are happening um but then also just i mean uh just the, the history of of the city is mm -hmm. is uh, quite fascinating i know that you you know talked about museums um but i i just i kind of love the fact that there's kind of always something to do here if um if you want and i mean irrespective of traffic if you you know drive 10 minutes from my house in one direction or 15 minutes in another direction or north whatever else you know it can go down into you know old, old town alexandria which is great i can go visit frederick you go visit leesburg there's just there's all kinds of things to do that, that are there that may not necessarily be um, what you could kind of find in some of these other places. So I, I, I actually really enjoy that. Cigar scene, uh, the Maryland side or the Virginia side, which is the better uh, experience <laughs> is that, or is that just like telling you, which is your two favorite kids? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I mean, I got there's great shops on, on either side that, that uh, I've gone to multiple times, uh, DC, uh, as well, as far as that's concerned. Um, each has has uh, different types of experiences. So for me, um, I mean, I just love, you know, I loved it beforehand, but you know, being in the industry and everything else, I just love going to cigar shops and going into to lounges. I mean, we were down on spring break in Orlando at Disney world. And I jumped in the shop there and talked to the guy for a little while and, and bought some cigars and everything else. I just, it's just, yeah, I, I like it regardless of where it is, but I think they're both have something to offer. So it's a cigar shop on the board. Uh, is that the one? That's the uh, one. In, uh, yeah. That, yeah, no, downtown right there. yeah. 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 Exactly. Disney Springs. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. You, you mentioned uh restaurants. Um, 
what are what are some of the better restaurants? Maybe if you go into D.C. to go check out, they could be anywhere. They don't have to be high end necessarily. It could just be anything as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to go wrong with a, a place like Mini Bar, like Jose Andres, if you're kind of going a little bit of the, of the higher end. Yeah. There's a great place. Um, Red Hen is great. I'm going to give that shout out. And that's one of Scott Regina's favorite places that we've gone to. If you're ever coming to DC and you want to know where to go to eat, John Anderson is your guy. And I got to yeah. also give a shout out to John Anderson's uh, barbecue place, Cinder. That place is unbelievable. Like the their wings there, it's so great. They dry rub them, uh, and then they smoke them, and then they flash fry them, and they just melt in your mouth. And you can put the sauce on yeah. them. It's, it's just delicious. They do a great job there. Um, and Matt Krim, I mean, God, just any kind of you know whiskey, bourbon, whatever else. Matt makes the phenomenal yep. drink. They get a lot of great barrels that are there. But there's a great place. You know, my wife is Filipino, and there's a great uh, Filipino restaurant here called Bad Saint. Um, it's it's always got a line. It's a very small place, but just um, great Filipino food. Um, there's a lot of great, um, great types of those types of restaurants of, of getting kind of good, authentic cuisine. DC is such a good, um, melting pot for you know, lack of a better term there right. in terms of people coming from all over the place. So you can really find great authentic cuisine in, in DC. So yeah. is that noise, is that loud? Can you hear that? That, that wasn't bad. It okay. wasn't disruptive. You heard it, but it wasn't My disruptive. Wife. Okay, my wife just turned on the AC. I guess it's getting a little too warm inside, so it just kicked on over here, so I apologize. It's not bad at all. It's fine. Yeah, Aaron, have you ever have you ever done the D.C. tour at all? I've never been to D.C. I've been to Baltimore. That's the closest yeah. I've been. I've done very little of, like, the whole, you know, capital scene type thing. I've done very little, like, going to the Lincoln Memorial. I've, done, I've been to D.C. dozens and dozens of times. Um, my wife did take my kids up there and unfortunately I couldn't be there, uh, when that trip happened, but, uh, we're, we're planning on actually eventually trying to do that again, because I've never done it before. Um, I've been to the stadium there. The, the national stadium is a great stadium, by the way. I love that place. It's a lot it, of fun. It, it's, 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 a, it's the total opposite of Camden Yards is what I tell people. It is. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very modern. It's a very modern look stadium, uh, compared to Camden, which brought back more of the retro feel to it. Yeah, but but that's a great stadium. Yeah, it's it's and it's actually not far. So my uh, the other day won the World Series. My wife and I were at Game Four when they beat uh, St. Louis to win, and so it was great right. with NLCS everything else. It's crazy. Well, we parked at the office and and walked down to the stadium, and when we were done, we were on our feet and everything else. Everyone was going crazy, and uh, we're like, do we walk back? You know, we we tried to do the two on one scooter. And that was kind of a bad idea. It at least got us far enough away where we could get to the Uber a little bit easier. Uh, but it's actually not too far from, from the office or from Capitol Hill. even. So it's, it, it, I, I love the stadium. I've always loved going. But their first season there, I actually had um, uh, a season ticket share plan with someone. It was a lot of fun to go. And, and um, yeah, even when they were terrible, which they are again, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, this is uh, Miguel may or may not be listening, but this is uh, just a shot at his ballot. If they could play the Reds every series, they might actually yeah. have a winning record. There you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Reds yeah. are actually playing better. It's, it's, just, it's funny. Yeah, I think they took two of three from the Reds last time. That might be the first series they won in quite a while. They're, yeah, I think they're still getting spanked by the Marlins. Yeah. Right, now, right. Listen, I thank you guys for not re-signing Bryce Harper. He is my favorite player on the Phillies. I've been more than happy with him. We just haven't been able to deliver for him a, a championship. Well, we, I say, wait, they haven't been able, but, but I, I, look, I am, I am a fan of the guy. And I had my doubts about him coming in there too. I thought it might be a, a PR disaster with the fans. It has not been like that at all. He is like beloved in Philadelphia is what I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you this. You're, you're welcome for, um, 
sort of uh, taken a sandpaper to his rough exterior as a pompous, arrogant kid coming in here because I think he's matured a lot, which is I, I think so too because he was like that. There's no question. Yeah, and and I mean, look when when you grow up and you're that talented, it's very rare. Yeah. Um, he just didn't he just didn't understand how to hide it. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Like a lot of these you know great athletes can they can hide it because they 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 understand. Um, but he he's a lot better now. You can't deny the, the kid's talent. I mean, he's he's oh. always been just so fun to watch. He was fun to watch there. I mean, with him and with Worth and and with Rendon um, and, and that whole line. But then we had Strasburg and Scherzer. Yeah. I mean, my God, it was just a lot of fun. And then Zimmerman. I mean, it was just so much fun to watch. And yeah. for me, as that all kind of went, and then he and then he moved on, and, and everybody else, and Rendon obviously moved on. Rendon was actually one of my favorite players to watch. I loved Rendon; he was great, yeah, still is yeah. great. You know, I was I was very sad to see Trey Turner leave too, and 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 but um, it, for me, it just makes me appreciate the Caps that much more, just for the mere fact they've been able to keep that core together. Yeah. And even if they don't ever win another, you know, Stanley Cup, I just I've I'm just so happy to have been able to be here, be a Caps fan, and experience this once in a generation talent. Uh, of Alex Ovechkin and what he's been able to do for for hockey in the city, it just makes me appreciate it more because you know Bryce Harper and him moving on and, yeah. and that whole thing. Aaron, I'm going to ask a hockey question, so apologize. Go for it. Go for All it. All right. So, actually, you mentioned Ovechkin. He's closing in on one of the great records in the NHL that many people thought would never be broken. It's the goal scoring record of Gretzky. He's yeah. got a legitimate chance to break it. He does because yeah. he's yeah not shown any signs of slowing down which is just yeah. baffling to me as how at 36 years yeah. old now he's still back if he's healthy he, i think he's got a legitimate shot to do it i mean and that's going to be huge if you're a hockey fan he won't break the points record gretzky's like assists no. are off the charts but the goal record is a is a sacred record i mean it's a very sacred record and uh he's closing in on that and that's very historic i, I think we're about two years away at least from it maybe three yeah, I think it's going to take the remainder of his contract. Right. I think four years because I mean, you know, yeah. he's he's still got what a hundred and like seventeen, I think something like that to go. Yeah, um, and so I think that uh, um, it, you know, I don't know if he's got too many more fifty goal seasons. I mean, who who, who who's out <laughs> right. at this point though from doing that? No, um, but for me, I think that the the the, the most uh, amazing thing about this is the difference in the game today, how difficult it is to score goals oh, yeah. in today's NHL is, you know, look, he gets a lot more. I mean, I know I understand the arguments and they're completely valid, right? It's there's a lot more power plays nowadays than there were back, right? The slashes yeah. that get called now, things like that, that weren't called back in the day, the yeah. line passes, things like that. But I mean, you look at the goalies, goalies are so much better nowadays than they ever were way more athletic. The padding is bigger. The butterfly is legal. So, um, it, just to score goals. I mean, when you look at his contemporary, he came in the league and Jerome McGinley had 100, I think, 25 more goals than he did when he came into the league, and he blew past Jerome McGinley even. Yeah. And so it's it's crazy. But, I mean, to have – it's it's great. I just – I love hockey. It, it's just such a great game. I pretend yeah, I, to play it in a beer league and everything, and, and, and so it just makes me appreciate the skill level. But to have somebody like Ovechkin and Crosby in the game at the same time, two generational talents – both here, the rivalry, everything else. Yeah. Very, very special to watch as a fan. Yeah. So, you know, I hate Crosby, but at the same time, totally love the fact yeah. of what he's brought to the game and how good he is. Yeah, I love your coach, by the way. It was one of the big mistakes we made getting rid of him at the Flyers. He's a good coach. I love Bobby Glenn. I, I, you know, I, I, I wanted him to come before Trotz. Uh, I had my reservations about Trotz because he had never gotten past the second round with yeah. the Predators. Phenomenally successful. Love the guy. Uh, but then, obviously, they, they had the successful uh, cup run, which was yeah. 
just yeah. beautiful. Yeah, no, it was good. I mean, uh, like I said, I think you're in good hands coaching wise with that team uh, as well. So, uh, you know, uh, best, best of luck uh, to the Capitals uh, as far as that goes. Thank you. We can, right. uh, I would just like to steal the New York Rangers goalie scout. Because they always have, I wish I would too, because the Flyers haven't had a good goal in 35 years. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. true. Yeah. 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 I think that, uh, yeah, Shesterkin is, is just ridiculous. He's so good. Yeah. They just, it's, that's always been a staple of New York Ranger teams. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in New York and I can just tell you, you know, we had Mike Richter and Van Beesbrook on the same team one year. That's how, I mean, that's how good it was. Look, we stole we, New York. Well, I'd we say we. I and then he could even play for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> All right. So that was our Alec Bradley Live True segment. Um, I did skip this question. I want to get back to it. It's our cattle baron steak question of the night. This is related to steak. Um, and I think I've asked you this a few times. So I'm going to ask it a little different this time. And this is, uh, again, Aaron, I'm going to apologize for this one. Um, steak and steak, surf and turf, right? If you're not having a lobster with a steak, what would you pair with uh, a, your, your favorite steak, seafood-wise? I mean, you could. there's so many different things you could do with shrimp. Yep. And, you know, I don't know if crab cake's the right. I, so that's my favorite, but the crab cake's and a steak, man. I Just give they me that. Yeah, they don't. They don't. I mean, look, I'm, I'm right here by the Chesapeake Bay and the crabs and everything else. Crab cakes, you just got to kind of do crab cakes by themselves if you're really going to truly appreciate it um i'm going to go with shrimp uh i mean uh or maybe even like a crab stuff like uh tilapia or something like that might be an interesting dish to go with it but yeah. there's so many different things that you can do with shrimp as far as being able to accentuate the flavors that you're going to have with the steak that i think that i would probably just go with a, a good shrimp good grilled shrimp there you go is there anything that tops a lobster though? does it top a lobster would it hell no no, <laughs> no, I agree. It's a good when you get a good lobster tail, whatever it is, steak. It's hard to uh, to beat that. Yeah, just the yeah the butteriness of the, the lobster that goes just so well with steak that there's nothing else you need. <laughs> I missed the I missed the, the cough button, guys. Sorry, peasant dish. What was that? It baffles me that lobster used to be a peasant dish. Like they, they used to be like, oh yeah, it's just this you know bottom feeder that we'd only feed the peasants crazy to me <laughs> sorry i got some smoke in me always happens all right that was our cattle baron steak question of the night so we'll do one more round of sponsors and then um we will get into our final segment uh so i want to mention jc newman cigar company Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At this factory known as Overhaul, J.C. Newman rolls premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Pencil Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's where Brickhouse, Pelo del Mar, El Baton, and quorum cigars are hand rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco or A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans have founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. 
The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Clavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas Albano, the Casa Cuevas Connecticut, Maduro, as well as the La Mandaria and Patrimonio lines, and of course, the Cuevas Reserva line. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas cigars, Casa Cuevas cigars, from our Casa to yours. And I just want to mention Aganorsa Leaf again. We're running our Aganorsa experience um, on the Cigar Coop website. And this month, uh, we're highlighting a man by the name of Harold Zeladon, who is the, um, the factory manager at the Topsa factory. Uh, if you click on the sidebar, you can, you'll take you to the uh, Aganorsa Leaf YouTube channel where you can uh, learn all about Harold. So be sure to check that out. So we're going to get into our Dunbarton Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Deliberation segment and sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Uh, There is no uh, deliberation when it comes to Dunbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included seven consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Carita Tricky Traca. You can visit DTC Scars to find a purveyor that carries the brand of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. And I'll mention on the uh, June 30th, we're going to be doing our virtual expo where we're going to have manufacturers coming on the show. And Aaron uh, Saka is confirmed for the midnight hour like last year again. Of course. He wants so as much time as possible. Midnight. He's going to be doing it from Nicaragua. So again, we have to, well, hopefully there'll be no connection problems. But yeah, he wants that. He took that last spot, which he went, uh, did like a whole show after that. Yeah. Us. And we just did a show with him. So stay t- right. he wanted that slot and he's got it. So, all right, uh, Scott. So um, let's kind of, you know, the, the PCA has been busy besides the uh, the trade show for sure. Um, and you, you've had a couple of things coming on. Um, I think the first thing we, we kind of touched on at the beginning, you now have an expanded board of directors. Um, yeah. So it's a big board and it's not necessarily even split between the uh, manufacturers and the retailers, but kind of talk about the logic behind some of the expanded board and, and, and how that's going. Yeah. So last October, um, we got all the board together for um, just a strategic review of kind of where we're at uh, and really where we, where we need to go and to start staking out exactly what the association needs to be doing. Um, primarily regulatory landscape, but also in terms of, really trying to distill down clarity in terms of our, our goal and our purpose. Um, and as we looked at it, it was, it's really kind of an interesting, but I, I think um, uh, I won't call it revolutionary. I don't want to, you know, kind of put us up in that lofty realms, but uh, I do think indicative of the times of understanding the importance of partnerships with the, the vendors and manufacturers, uh, which is to say the refocus was really saying, look, we got to focus on how we grow the retailing space um, helping retailers better at their business. And then, as I've always said, right, the job that we have to get done really is to help our members make more money and whether that's ways in which we can help them reduce costs or increase, you know, revenues. And so as we looked at that, we thought, you know, the time for us to be able to bring on manufacturers, not in an advisory capacity, by and large, the advisory capacity really had to do more with the trade show, but much more so in partnership in terms of the, the totality of what we're doing as an association, because again, Manufacturers, they have sales reps. They're in the shops. They're very much concerned about how it, it, the, all the space grows. And it's very important for this vertical of, of brick and mortar retailing and lounges and that entire experience to continue to grow. And so it engaged the customer. And so um, so the, the thought process there is that, again, historically for um, almost 90 years now, 
is that this has been a retailer organization, right? It was a retail tobacco dealers association before it became the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association. Um, the, the name change, obviously, you were all there for that and, and the, the necessity for that. Um, focus much more on the product and the process and everything else about what kind of um, brings the industry together as far as that's concerned. But really, uh, as we did that, we said, look, there's, there's a real need that we have for manufacturing perspectives and voices to be involved with this. And so the previous year, we you know opened up elections for, for retailers. And so um, doing the same thing for manufacturers. So now we have five full-fledged voting manufacturing members on the board with 14 retailers. Um, and so uh, we have, we started off, so Mike Condor has always been the president, but not always, but um, for the first few years that I've been here, has been the president of the AMAB, which means he has a seat on the board. And so that his board seat continued. And then we appointed two others as this transition to get going, um, to be up to speed. And those are those that have worked with us on the AMAB. And then two are going to be coming on in July. Um, the elections have wrapped up. So that's the, the um, results are in, but it doesn't get certified until the annual meeting of the membership where that gets certified. Right. Um, so really it's, it's just about um, the importance of the manufacturer perspective uh, on so many of the issues that we face um, because they have a very, very important and critical yet different approach and perspective on what's happening um, on the ground with with retail, and a perspective that's a lot more global. I mean, not that not that you know our retailers don't have a global perspective, but again, you have a retailer more often than not they're located in one state. Yeah, uh, they might be in two states. There's a very few that are across you know more than two states. Our manufacturers they are either traveling or have sales reps that are all over the country. They're hearing from all retailers. So that perspective gives us a much much more holistic way in which we can approach this, and then. Um, it also uh, allows for, I think, some the right kind of friction. Obviously, the friction can produce a diamond, right? And that's it, it allows for the right kind of friction to come throughout the board in order for us to get to the right answers um, that oftentimes aren't easy. And I think that that's another component that the board really wanted to bring into all of this as well. There was, um, I mean, so that now there's, there's five manufacturers. Does that replace the old advisory board that you had beforehand, or is the advisory board still active? No, it replaces the advisory board. Okay. I think that's a good uh, move too. I think that was a good yeah. move. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I said, the advisory board was really kind of more, here's our thoughts and here's yeah. kind of what we're looking at and, and everything yeah. else. And, uh, and they're, they're right in there. They have an equal vote. Mike Condor is the first liaison, a uh, special appointee to the executive committee. So the executive committee does also now include a manufacturer as well. Uh, the other thing too, that I think that the board kind of, um, really kind of addressed here too is is that we don't need to be so rigid in terms of, of this. and you talked about the, the amount of board members it's really interesting because i've been in associations that were even smaller than this that had a, a board that was probably twice the size of oh the really board. okay so it, so the size i think really depends um or the amount of board members really kind of depends upon what it is we're trying to accomplish and right now we felt like this would be the right number to start with and, and again we don't necessarily need to be too rigid with how we how we go about this I think that we um, have a good understanding now. Basically, it can be elastic with what the time needs. But right now, really, we got to you know hammer this out to understand um, how we carry Vision 54, how we get our state apparatus going and humming along at peak, because that's the most important thing for us at this point to make sure that our retailers across the country um, have both protection, but also have a good off uh, a good offensive strategy in, in each of their states and localities. So um, it's important that the that the manufacturers who or at that level are engaged with it as well. It makes all the sense in the world. Excellent. Excellent. Um, 
One last question just on that. Um, the voting. I mean, so the voting has been open the last two years. Um, good turnout with the voting um, as far as that goes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of funny because I think some people may have expected that, you know, it, it's going to be different than even a general election where, you know, certain percentages. But I mean, we we um, almost doubled the amount of votes this year that we had last year um, of people that did it. And, uh, you know, for anyone that's watching that difficulty, I apologize. We're, we're going to address the technology issue because I think that it probably it's not as easy as it should be. But we're we're trying to put a safeguard in where you have to log in with your membership credentials in order to do it, because then you're I'm trying to sift through and audit everybody's membership to make sure that they're good. And so right. um, so we're going to address that. We want to make it as easy as possible. So we're right. going to have a different technology solution for that. But we did almost double the amount of votes from uh, this year than we had last year. So people are participating. And, you know, the other thing that we're, we want to do uh, in that regard is that we're going to have some more of the Q&A and more of the board conversations at the lounge, but also more of a kind of a policy forum where or panel where there's some dude going by with a loud engine. Um, <laughs> But where we're, we're able to engage in the membership and saying, look, here are the reasons why these policies are being um, developed from, from PC and here's why we're approaching it the way we're approaching it. Um, let's hear some feedback about how that may impact your business. Let's get some impact in your ideas about why this may or may not work um, type of thing or your thoughts on this. And so we're really trying to kind of get that component of all the different areas where there's the give and take from the membership in that regard. And the elections are indicative of that. That's good. That's good to hear on that. So um, more, to, I guess, more, and then we'll hear the winners of that um, recent vote at the, at the um, I guess the breakfast is usually when that's done. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the annual meeting. So that's the official business of the, uh, of the uh, association is that, that uh, opening breakfast right. one hour. Right. So th these, the board members are voted on by retailers, right? They're not voted on by the manufacturers. So th these are the retailers that are voting for both the retail members and the manufacturing members correct correct so as okay. it stands right now again bylaws are that um as has historically been the case retailers are the right. voting members of the association right and you don't have to be the owner of the company to do that right so it is one vote per that yes technically yes that's correct so it's one right. vote per membership so right. if you're smoker friendly you still get one vote and if you're blue smoke of dallas you still get one vote so right. um so it's one vote per membership Right. So what happens like if someone is on the board from a manufacturer who's not a, an owner and they resign from the company? What, what would happen in that case? Would, so, would, would it be an open seat or someone else from the company fills it? No, it's that the seat is not a company seat. Okay. It's, it's that person. Right. Uh, because, again, we, it's not a company representative right. that's coming to the – it's that person who is voted on. They might happen to work for that company. Um, so that we, when we, we did that with the bylaws and went through everything else, we discussed multiple scenarios with that in, in terms of the representation. Um, and then it also doesn't necessarily follow the person if they leave the company too. So if you're coming in and you know, it was, you know, you're with company X and you leave and go to company Y, it doesn't necessarily mean that the, the seat goes with you. It also doesn't necessarily mean that the seat drops. What would happen? Is it something that you guys would just evaluate as an executive or board committee what to do in that yeah. case? Correct. Okay. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, all right. So let's go to, let's go to um, the whole responsible marketing thing. And we're not going to rehash everything here, right? But obviously, PC, let's just kind of talk about PCA obviously saw a need to do this. Um, and it's something that you've taken on. Um, you know, I, I've seen the organization take it on. Um, 
talk to me because I know you guys have put some statements out. We don't need to rehash all that. I think everyone knows what the responsible marketing thing is. But what can we expect going forward with some of this stuff right now? I mean, I know you guys are you guys have put out some papers and stuff and statements and position statements. But what is the next step here? Yeah, so we're working on a code of conduct that um, we're going to be presenting at the uh, the annual meeting. Okay. Or actually, it's the day before during that policy summit that I that I talked about. Um, the primary focus for step one is um, addressing the FDA's main concern, which is youth access. Right. Um, and, and again, we're geared primarily towards the retailer component of that um, because here's at the end of the day, and I know that there's you know kind of some comments around why or how or at which juncture we're um, coming down doing this. But at the end of the day, our retailers are the ones who are on the front lines of that transaction, right? They're the ones who are with the customers. It's their shops that the FDA is sending people into to do quote unquote sting operations. They often then, and they will have liability for kind of what happens in their right. shops. Right. And so, um, and are uh, uh, much more so at the mercy of, of the FDA um, and, and have significantly more challenges with things like fines and things like that. Than, you know, some of these other larger companies would have. So, so that's the next step that that's coming there. Um, you know, it's, it's been something that, that, you know, um, we have actually been discussing quite a bit internally working on um, with, you know, myself and Josh and, and, and our consultants and Patrick and, and Glenn and some of these others um, for quite some time. And it was actually rather interesting because when NASM presented their study, one of the things that they specifically called out was the fact that there's no mechanism within the industry for self-policing, particularly when right. it comes to marketing. And so, um, and so in that regard, you know, it's important for us to, to take the necessary steps. I talked about this quite a bit at TAA and what's really good about this is I think that the industry um, is starting to understand this. Um, I was just talking earlier today with some folks about this is that we're still kind of almost like, you know, in our, in our infancy, as it comes to understanding who we are as an industry, as it relates to our relationships with regulatory agencies. Um, and while there are others, you know, alcohol industry or other industries, that have been doing this for decades, right? And, and it's still fairly new to us. And so uh, these are just some of these necessary steps that we're gonna have to take to ensure that um, we both protect ourselves, but at the same time, there's another reason why this is here and why it's beneficial for the industry. Uh, I was having a conversation with one manufacturer that was calling because you know he had questions about some of his packaging and, and things like that. And, 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 and I just said, look, I said, we also have to draw a line in the sand for ourselves because we need to be able to have the the uh, ability to be creative, to innovate, yep. to do things differently. And if we don't know what the parameters are, people get paralyzed. And suddenly you're starting to go down to the least common denominator. So we, we need to be able to draw that line for ourselves and have those parameters set. But we also need to show that we're responsible stewards because that's going to be able to demonstrate to regulators that they don't need to step in, especially with this industry, right? We've got all the good stories. We've got all the good data. At the end of the day, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. And I know that we all think it should, but we also have to deal with the reality of the environment, the regulations and everything else that comes with it with policy. And the reality of the policy is, is that anything nicotine is bad. Anything nicotine, some of these people just want to completely wipe out from in, in existence. Um, you know, the, the uh, lessons of prohibition are, are lost on these folks. And so... Um, so really, that's kind of the whole thrust of this is we as an industry need to be able to have parameters that both protect us, but allow us the ability to continue to be creative and innovate in ways that are appropriate and in ways that will help, you know, a specific business be able to grow and make more money and make better product and do all kinds of great things 
at the same time, it can't be in violation of these other aspects. And that it's not to say that that's a hard and fast rule, that if we put that in place now, that it's going to forever be that way. Uh, you know, where we entered a new world as far as, you know, social media and internet marketing and everything else is concerned, that's going to continue to evolve. That's going to continue to change. Right. It's going to continue to expand and contract. And we need to have mechanisms in place that are going to be able to respond to that because regulators are going to continue to respond to it too. Right. So you mentioned a code of conduct. That's something that's going to be presented at, at the PCA then? Yes. Okay. Is it going to be enforced at the PCA? Uh, and to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, look, we'll, we'll put that out the same that we kind of have with other things in the recent past about certain products that will or not be displayed. I can tell you this, the FDA has already reached out to us. They're going to be at the show. And so if there are products that violate this code of conduct for us at the show, then we're going to ask they not be displayed. Right. right. So, I mean, what we, so for example, would it be, we, but there's a gray line with a lot of this, right? So, I mean, is there something that kind of delineates where that line's going to be? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really kind of shouldn't be that hard to be honest with you. I right. mean, really ultimately if it's like, look, if, if you could as an objective critical thinking human being, adult human being, look at something. And if you're like, look, that clearly is something that is a, a primarily would be understood as a children's attraction. And specifically because again, underage and, or quite frankly, you know, um, a violation of trade dress. Right. I mean, and that one's pretty crystal clear. Um, and, and quite frankly, that puts all of us at risk. I mean, it's in, in terms of that, especially when you're violating trade dress outside of this industry. Right. Um, it paints an unnecessary target on us, which is quite frankly staggering. Um, so, I mean, really kind of logic should carry the day there. Um, you know, and the, the one question that, that the manufacturer called me on for me, uh, you know, I, fully appreciated the fact that that he was a taking a serious and b was that i'd rather be a little bit more on the safe side than this um i was probably a little bit more bullish on the fact to be like no go ahead and do it the way this is it but but at the end of the day right now at least right now we're in a very very uh, tenuous um time and so right now caution has to be the better part of valor here for us in that instance once we get through this we have the guidelines and we have the parameters then it makes it a lot easier for us. So yes, we will address that at the show. If there are gray areas, let's easily discuss them and we can come to some, you know, um, uh, easy solutions. There's no question, but I mean, clear violations shouldn't, shouldn't be, you know, an issue where someone is going to argue with this if they've got right. something out there that looks like a toy or looks like a, you know, a cartoon character from a children's show or, you know, a happy meal. Right. Um, so yeah, be, like you said, there's some, there'll be some enforcement, um, but the idea of self-regulation, that's something that would be a 12 month a year thing. Like, so it's not just for the trade show. It's like, you know, how, how do you, how do you envision self-regulation going forward? And it sounds like you're telling me the PCA is going to go into the self-regulation, um, into self-regulation to some extent. How does that look like the rest of the year? Yeah. So that's something that's going to have to be, um, really worked out and right. continuously worked on from, from all sides. Again, this is another reason why manufacturers on the board is very important for us. Right. But, but, you know, I, I've said this multiple times, uh, you know, just given the experience that I had just in healthcare, so right. for example, you know, when I was with radiology, they had a self-regulation mechanism that was in place that when the government came calling, that was just simply lifted and put into place. Right. Right. 
So we're starting a little bit behind the eight ball in that regard, but there's got to be some mechanism that's in place. There's got to be some self-policing that's in place. There's got to be some aspect of it to where, and, you know, you can look at, you know, the distilled spirits industry and kind of how they're approaching it. Um, we're, we're obviously taking that example um, because a lot of it relates to what we're doing. And so I do think that that, that actually um, has some good guideposts for us that we can in fact do that. Um, but I think some of the other aspects of it will remain to be seen. Um, you know, we haven't necessarily talked too explicitly about any true punitive measures, their ideas and kind of going around. We've got to plot that out. We've got to be very, very specific right. and deliberate about how we do that. And we can't do that in a vacuum. And so that's why the first step is really having this discussion um, at the show, continuing to have discussions, why manufacturers are on the board to help with that as well. Because that relationship between manufacturers, we're not going to go you know, as PCA and put a, you know, any, any kind of guidebook down and tell manufacturers, this is what you're going to do. Our focus is on, again, the retailer, but the retailer right. has to put these products on their shelves. Right. And the retailer needs to understand that, you know, sometimes if these products are on the shelves, yeah, the, the manufacturer is going to be hit, but you are actually also liable if these are on your shelves too. So that's the, that's the focus that we're looking at here is the impact on the retailer and how the retailer relationship with the manufacturer then is, is um, involved within all of this. So for example, if, if a, a manufacturer creates an M&M cigar, and I know there's not one out there because I, I Googled it, right? Um, there's an M&M cigar that's created. Um, that's something, obviously, we – clear violation of, of the code of conduct, right? I, I think we could agree with that. But if a re, what, what happens now if the retailer chooses to carry that again? Is that something where the PCA is going to look at that retailer and say, hey, you're not a, a good member in, in, in good standing or you're not, like, certified or something like that? How does, how does that – work on the retailer end of that and, and yeah, I think is that, that overarching for pca to do that is is what a lot of people will say i mean they can say that but i mean okay so let's let's take this the situation all the way through let's say it's m&m packaging right, right. Let's say it looks like a candy that's going out there as opposed to right. it's you know yeah. martha and mark cigars so they call it m&m because of right. that but the brand right it's m&m right. packaging, yeah, that's M&M packaging yeah, right? yeah so it's a Mark's yeah. candy packaging type of thing. right so if that's the case then yes so it's going to work very similar to what the, the, the distilled spirits industry does or things like that to where we're going to first reach out, try to correct the situation. If we don't have a mechanism in place, would you rather have us come calling to try to rectify right. the situation with you or would you rather have the FDA come in and shut your store right. down? I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. So we can stomp our feet and throw ourselves, you know, and say, oh, well, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. We're big, bad government. You feel good because you get to say that statement and you think that you're right. You might be right. That's irrelevant. You know, we can't be so full of right that we completely throw away all of the hard work of the industry and what you've done to build your business because of that, because the regulators don't care. The Center for Tobacco Products, they don't care. They're going to look for any excuse to shut this down, especially as it relates to something like this. So would you rather have us and work with us to try to come in and say, look, because we're meeting with these guys all the time. We, I've gotten testimony with NASA. We're talking with NASA. We talk to the FDA all the time. We're on the Hill talking to the folks okay. that oversee these agencies all the time. That's what we do. So we're listening when we hear that. So would you rather have us come in to try to rectify the situation in a way that doesn't shut you down or fine you or cost you any money? Right. Or do you want to just go ahead and leave it up to chance and just let the FDA come in and do whatever they're going to do to you? Because you're, you're in, I mean, I, why would you have an M&M product on your shelves? Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's exactly what I would say on that. Um, it, it's curious. You know, it's interesting because this, I think this whole argument, it sounds like the, the, a, there is some resistance to this. There's some resistance, but I, I don't want to say it's a, I don't know how much of the resistance is out there. I don't think it's as much resistance as people think. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to um, understate the problem, but 
in general, I think it's a small amount of people making the noise on this. It is. And quite frankly, I mean, it's just, it's kind of funny to me. Yeah. There were some people that, that like sent some messages on something we were saying one time and I'm like, oh, we haven't addressed anything specific. We're not yeah. talking about one specific right. company. We're talking about something overarching. I right. saw Skip's message. Yes, yeah, Skip, that is a trademark. It's a trade dress issue, and trademark issue. Absolutely. We don't want to invite the might of, of right. Disney or McDonald's or Mars Candy uh, which are which dwarf our industry to come after us and right. start putting a target on our backs, not only from those types of lawsuits, but then they have significantly more influence on Capitol Hill to start right. prepare to weaponize the government against us. Yeah. All of these things matter. We don't want, we want to remove the arrows from the quiver. We don't want yeah. to give them automatic weapons to right. come after us. Yeah. And so, um, and, and to your point, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not like it's this issue. So that's why it's kind of this two prong aspect of, of what we're doing and why we're doing it, which is, a protection for the industry. We know exactly. I mean, the nation report was great in the fact that it gave us a roadmap of where they're looking to go with it. Right. So if we don't do anything to address those issues, the FDA is going to absolutely address those issues. The yeah. CPP is going to address those issues for us and they know nothing about us. And so the last thing we want is somebody that knows nothing about this industry to write a policy that governs this industry. So let's write our own policy that governs ourselves. So that right. when they want to come in and do it, we have an answer for them. Right. Right. I think that's, uh, I, I can understand that as well. The, and it's uh, like this is anything new. I mean, look, the Motion Picture Association has done this. You know, healthcare has done this. Pharmaceutical companies have done this. Alcohol has done this. Virtually any industry that that has all has done this through throughout the history of this country, yeah. at least it, for the last hundred years. It seems like though the beer industry hasn't. Though. The beer industry seems to be just uh, more rampant, even with this, than I think the cigar industry is. The beer industry is one that I haven't seen do it yet. Um, yeah, they still do have the drink responsibly aspect that there's, is tied with that, you know, and whatever else they've done, you know, you, you see the ads oftentimes that's out there, yeah. whatever beer ad that's out, you know, advertising yeah. in that regard. The, the one thing that they have in their favor is that they have not ever been truly in the eye as seen as, well, this is targeting 12 year olds. This is targeting 16 year olds, right. whatever else. Right. And so there's a very big difference. Plus right. there are significantly more beer drinkers than there are cigar smokers. The beer industry is much, much bigger than the cigar industry is, um, and it's never really kind of been seen. Plus, uh, as odd as this is, it's they actually kind of had the benefit of having prohibition, um, uh, you know, back in, in you know, 100 years ago now, right, uh, to kind of prove that whole thesis that, that it doesn't work. Um, and so they, they, they have that component that's there. And so I think that in, in, in a lot of ways, there are some similarities, but in a lot of ways... They've never, because of the cigarette companies, because of kind of all of that that went through and with that um, whole settlement and everything else, tobacco as a whole has a very, very different hill to climb yeah, than yep. the beer industry does. That's true. That's true. We're, the like, beer industry is facing a whole other host of issues with the World Health Organization stuff that's coming down and the diet, removing it from dietary restrictions to alcohol reduction and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but youth access is not one of those things, but yeah. that's what they're focused on with us. And so again, Dolphin caught a tuna net with, with the vaping and on and everything else that, that goes on there is what we're facing. Yeah, no, that's true. I and mean, the, the tobaccos, they're prohibition target. It's still a prohibition target. Um, no matter how you look at it. Um, one last question on this, and this is tied in with the flavors. So lots going on now. The comment period is out. You guys have a, um, you have a, a, a portal for that to, to submit your comments to the FDA. Yeah, fight the flavorband.com. Yep, fight a, um, and you guys have a, a flavors.com. Sorry, right, five, and you have an example of how you know you can submit the the sample and you can write your own basically with that. Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, how much of a battle is this? Is this is this something that you think could be in two years? We see this. Is this something that's going to be an ongoing battle? Um, the FDA seemed to pick a low hanging fruit with this one to go to go to go ahead with. Yeah, um, it, it's it's going to be um, an interesting battle that could probably take yeah. one of maybe two or three ways of, of going about whether it's you know some sort of you know agreement or policy. I mean, again, they're. It, it, their primary focus is on the addictive nature of flavored, really nicotine products that become addictive, that people are addicted to, and they think that it unfairly right. targets those those folks, and 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 so um, it, it gets lumped into that, and so that's where we get into some of the nuance about you know what is and what isn't these types of of, of products and things like that. Yeah. So um, it, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a continuous one again. People that don't know and understand the industry and or the products writing policy that affects it. That's what we don't want. And so the, that's why the fight's there. That's why, again, to helping to understand kind of what the difference is um, between what we all are in terms of premium cigars versus these other products. Um, but there's there's somewhat of a, of a tenuous relationship between the two, whether it's, you know, menthol cigarettes or, or you know, uh, mass market products and things like that. Uh, but I, I do believe that it's going to be a continuous fight because, again, they're not distinguishing between anything. It's just all kind of lumped in together. And the other part is, is that a lot of these products that, you know, are, would be considered flavored products or infused products are important to our retailers. We know that we've gotten right. you know, a lot of survey responses back about how important these are. We're going to be putting out another survey here within probably another week or so. That's going to get a little bit more specific about the products and, and um, the uh, percentages of revenues and things like that or and or sales that make up for our retailers to kind of truly understand much more of the, the economic impact there. Um, but th because they are putting it all together, it, it, it makes it um, a very long fight for us. And, and it's something that we absolutely are going to be fully engaged in because it's important for our members uh, and the retail shops. So um, you can expect, I think this to probably go on for a while and probably will end up in the courts at some point. Right. Any um, any progress with the executive branch of the government on these things? I mean, I know it's been tougher lately, but has there been any progress made with the you know president's office or the executive branch? Yeah, very different approach in our strategy um, for the Biden administration versus the Trump administration. Trump administration was obviously very much about deregulation and so on and so forth, and um, kind of that type of environment. The Biden administration, um, we've made some inroads in terms of things like international trade and fair trade and things like that as, as we've gone, hence our you know policy right. that we did last year, the policy form that we did, we're gonna be doing that again this fall. Um, so there's there's some there. Um, it's not necessarily too much to where they have given any sort of prime directive to the right. FDA to, to shut us down. Uh, the FDA is kind of still going along. We got a, you know the, the, the new guy coming in for, for the Center for Tobacco Products. Um, I don't believe he's as much of a crusader as Mitch Zeller, but I mean, again, it's still kind of cut from the same cloth. Their mission statement hasn't changed as far as the Center for Tobacco Products is concerned. So, um, but I, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, we're, we're kind of trying to read the, the uh, I'll say tobacco leaves, but tea leaves here in, in terms of kind of where a lot of these types of things are leading. They're going to continue to try to come up with new ways to come after the industry. Yeah. And so we're looking at all these various aspects, whether it's trade, you know, labor laws, environmental mitigation, so on and so forth. And so that's where we're trying to build out a holistic so that no right. matter what administration comes in, there are ways for us to approach them strategically so that we can align 
their desired outcomes of their desired programs with what we're doing as well. So that, that way we've always got a good mechanism in place to be able to work with any administration that comes in based upon their priorities. And then um, just one more on the flavored. Um, so there's been a lot of, you know, we're seeing a lot of local governments put these flavor bans in. Um, is PCA involved with maybe getting more, uh, tactical with some of these right now. I know some of them are, are too small maybe to tackle, but there's some, probably some bigger ones out there. Is PCA kind of looking at that or are they, are they going to really focus just right on the FDA piece? No, no, we've been very, very, very active at the local level primarily okay. more than anything. I mean, we're gearing up for this California thing. We've been very active in Colorado. Um, we've been fighting local flavor bands um, for, you know, the entire couple of the past few years that this right. has been popping up all over the place as much as we as possibly can. So, you know, I got to give good props to, to Mary Zarmack out in Colorado for uh, spearheading so much of, of that fight out in Colorado. Colorado's become kind of an interesting battleground in some terms of the tax and some of these other things. Um, and, and, and what's really interesting, though, is when we get through this and we, we kind of come out the other side is because we've been able to be victorious in, in the large share of these is that when even when we go to, you know, some sort of an executive branch like in Colorado that might, quite frankly, be okay if, if cigars kind of went away personally what they're looking at though is they're looking at overall budget impact yeah and then if you go through a flavor ban that wipes out this particular governor's education budget and they're not they're like it's not worth it for them right and so there's a lot of you know so that it's and that's one of the main reasons why we're trying to get this state apparatus um a, a lot more robust up and going as quickly as possible because lessons learned there in colorado could translate through other states that are facing the same thing the same way they're sharing tax cap information like what happened in north carolina and or michigan and or minnesota or new mexico that can kind of help as we're trying to initiate other tax caps in other areas and what new york is doing there with the good work that that association is doing and so we try to offer as much help in those in that regard as we can we need to get that apparatus as 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 robust and as interconnected as possible sharing that information so that what happened in colorado we can share that information and that can become something that is, is useful ammunition in other states when this pops up good point that's a good point aaron anything else we want to hit with scott before we kind of wrap up no you nailed it all right well scott um thank you very much uh for being on the show uh as always i know we kept you late and we do appreciate it uh, we look forward to seeing you at the trade show in, uh, in July for sure. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see you guys in person again. And uh, maybe I'll actually have a few moments to maybe sit down and uh, have a cigar and or a drink with you guys this year. Last year, it was, yep. <laughs> it was all day, every day for me. I was just excited to get back to my room and uh, put my feet up. <laughs> I, I, I can totally understand it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it was funny last year. I, at one point, you know, everyone was kind of headed out to dinner. And, and I think a lot of people were kind of tired. I think it was probably Monday night or something like that. I just walked down and got a pizza and went back up to my room and people saw me walking back with the pizza box. And I remember seeing Casey Johnson and he goes, Oh God, he goes, that's so smart. He goes, I wish I could do that. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I yeah. totally don't blame you. Totally don't blame you. But uh, that was the other thing I was going to say, I forgot to mention um, uh, pizza at a, a local pizza place here actually won some sort of national award for best pizza. It's Andy's pizza. It's oh, wow. delicious. And he actually, um, so Lisa, uh, who's our trade show director, her husband owns Atlas Brewery. That's his brewery here in D.C. And that pizza place, um, he, there's one in his brewery there with Andy's Pizza. Oh, so nice. if you ever come to D.C., hit Andy's Pizza. Uh, I look forward. It's right down there by Nats Park. Yep. I look forward to it. We'll, after the show, we'll coordinate something on my end to get up there. So uh, I'll, I'll yeah. be in touch with you on that for sure. Yeah, good. So, yeah. Again, we got to do the live studio audience show from Cigar Coop from uh, the PCA headquarters. Yeah, love it. Love to do it.
All yeah, right. Leave his uh, California haven to come up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe. They don't let him lose. <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Vegas is about as far as I can go east. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, it's good. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to this uh, edition of the primetime show. Thank you, Scott, uh, as well. Aaron, thanks as always. Uh, we'll see everybody uh, next. Uh, media panel show is next Thursday. Yep. So, so tune in for that. Uh, then we'll be following up with the expo, the two weeks of, of expos where manufacturer will be coming on talking about the products. We have more, we already have more manufacturers than last year. So um, last year, everyone wanted the second week, but this year you could say like this year it's a split between the two weeks. So we're much better balanced. Yep. Um, so definitely tune in for that, but uh, appreciate everyone. Uh, that's going to wrap up primetime episode 231 into the annals of history for Thursday, June 9th, 2022. Now Friday, June 10th on the East coast. We'll see everybody next time. Take care. See you guys.